Good morning, you beautiful bunch of fuckers. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is, what day is it? It's Monday, May 15th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. We have no theme. We have no guests. All up to you and what you want to talk about today. I have a couple things I'm going to start with. Nothing major. Then we're going to get to your calls and questions. They're already starting to come in, so line them up. Phone lines are open, 855 950 3835. We'll be here for the next couple of hours or until we run out of questions. It's totally up to you. Line them up. All right. A couple things I want to talk about this morning. I posted an article a week or so ago about the, who's doing this? Regulators announce members of a truck leasing tax force. Group will assess fairness of contractor lease agreements. You know, it's not a bad idea, I guess, that, that, you know, the government's going to do what governments do. Um, Here's the interesting thing, though. I posted it because I looked at the members of this task force, and for the most part, it makes sense. There were two I didn't really agree with. One, you could make an argument why they're there. The other one, I just don't get at all. And now I, I saw the article again today, and they've changed something. So here's the group. Remember, this is a task force getting together. This is a government thing to determine whether or not leasing contracts are fair. Now, I don't believe we're at all looking at lease purchase programs here. So to try to straighten this up, if you're looking at a lease purchase program, there are actually two contracts and they could both be referred to as lease agreements. It's very confusing. Because if you don't own a truck and you're going to get a truck from, technically it's going to be a third party provider, but more than likely it's owned by the same trucking company you're leasing to. That, that's the most common setup for lease purchase. So you would have to sign a lease purchase agreement so that then you have a truck, you don't own it, you have control of a truck that now you can then lease to the trucking company. That's why there are two lease agreements in a lease purchase program, and people get confused about that. We're going to set the lease purchase of the truck or the equipment aside right now. That's not what we're talking about. Whether you went through a lease purchase program or you own your own truck, we're talking about the other lease agreement, the one that lays out how you are going to provide trucking services to this carrier. That's the lease agreement we're talking about. This task force is going to determine whether they're fair or not. Uh, I've talked about a story I worked with. Um, oh, there's a law firm, Scopolitis, Fury. That I can never remember all the names. I actually know Greg Fury, one of the originating partners. And I've talked to him about this many times. I, and I've told this story. I met him. I was at a conference. And he walked up on stage and said, I'm here to tell you whether or not your lease agreement the contract we're talking about, will protect you in court. That's all he cared about. Will it protect you in court? That's all attorneys care about. That's their job. And it was kind of funny because he took out a big postal scale and he set it on the table and he started putting lease agreements on it and saying, nope, throwing that one away. Then he had this big thick one and he set it on there and he said, good. So what he was saying in essence is this is a CYA. We're going to cover your ass on everything we can think of by writing it all into this contract. 
That's where we are today. I'll, I'll tell you why we're there. We are there because of groups suing carriers over their lease purchase agreements. Many of you will remember, I know I have a lot of old owner operators here like myself, you will remember one and two page lease agreements. That's what they were like when I got into the business. They were one or two pages. It was pretty simple. I liked it. I could even read them and for the most part understand what was going on. The lease agreements I see today are just insane. They're just loaded with a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo. Nothing about this task force is going to improve anything. But like I said, this is what the government does. Now let's look at the people that are on it. For the most part, it made sense. So Tamara Brock, she's from Brock Logistics and Lewis and Lewis Logistics. Makes sense. That's they're a company that probably has a lease purchase agreement. They have some say in this. Um, Paul Cullen, the Cullen Law Firm. Yeah, these are contracts. We need some attorneys here, no doubt. Um, Troy Hawkins, TTOH Consulting and Logistics. Consulting and Logistics. That makes sense. Jim Jefferson, OOIDA. Yeah, makes sense. I will say, you know, how I've never got along all that well with OIDA. I don't think they've done much to really improve the lives of owner operators. In fact, this issue is because of their lawsuits. In the 90s, they were suing carriers all over the board for all kinds of things in the contract. I could go through story after story how that made things worse for us, how you no longer are getting the same kind of discounts on programs you used to get because OIDA sued carriers over those discounts and sued carriers over, the carrier would go negotiate a big discount and then take a little piece of it. They should, and nobody has to buy those things. I'm, I don't wanna go down that path, I could spend all day on that. Um, but I understand why OIDA would have somebody on this task force. Um, Joshua Krause, OTR Leasing. Makes sense. This is probably a third-party leasing company separate from the carriers. Uh, I actually have a good friend who runs a third-party leasing company, and it, it, his is really good. Um, I, I still say the same thing to him, though, that I say to carriers. Yeah, you got a great program, but you're putting way too many people into these programs that just shouldn't be in business. He works pretty hard at it. He does try to vet people. He was originally um, with ATBS, so he gets the accounting side of all this. He does a really good job. Doesn't mean I'm still wild about that kind of a setup, but we're going to do it. Let's at least do it right. Um, the next one, Caitlin Long, International Brotherhood of Teamsters. I have a problem with this one. First off, there are very, very few contracts where you're going to be a union member and an independent contractor. They do exist. I've talked about them. I worked in one and hated it. Didn't even make it uh, maybe two months. I don't remember. Hated it. There's not that many of them. They should not be on this board. And here's the other reason. They have one goal, and that is to eliminate independent contractors completely. I can prove it. They Everything they fight for in the government, laws like AB5, they want to eliminate independent contractors. They should not be on this panel, um, in my opinion. So then we have uh, Steve Rush from Carbon Express. Makes sense. Here's the interesting one. I'm going to read this from the most current article, the one I read today. Leslie C. C. T. S. E. I don't know how you say that. Leslie C. 
Uh, here's, here's the description of who she is, or it could be a he, I guess. Leslie could be either one. Um, here's the description. Of counsel to Getman, Sweeney, and Dunn. So that tells us they're a counsel to an insurance, or not an insurance, I'm sorry, an attorney firm, a law firm. But that's it. So you think, oh, okay, there's another, um, there's another attorney on there. Except I was paying attention the first time this article was the one I posted, and I went back to it because here's how they describe Leslie C. in the original article. Animal Defense Partnership, Inc. attorney. That's what caught my eye the first time, and it's the only reason I posted this. I, I, I doubt that I would have posted it. I may have because I do watch the independent contractor thing, but that caught my eye. Animal Defense Partnership, what the hell are they doing on this task force? And why are they now trying to hide it? it? Could it be that because I posted this all over the place that they put out another article? I doubt that I have that kind of influence, but something changed. I read, when I read this a week or two ago, whenever I posted it, let me go back and look, I can tell you. I posted it on my birthday, May 2nd. So we're a couple weeks out from that, two weeks out, and they, why would you change that? Somebody had to purposely decide that they weren't going to use the real description of what this person does. I'm going to do some digging on this. I doubt that I'll get anywhere, but I would love to hear an explanation from the FMCSA why we have an attorney who works in animal defense on this task force for truck leasing. That makes zero sense to me. I, I can't even come up with a conspiracy theory about why they're there. It makes so little sense. All right, uh, what else did I have? Um, oh, here's an interesting article. I've talked about Too Simple, mm. the Chinese company that is probably leading autonomous trucking in the United States. Too Simple was one of the first autonomous companies to really put trucks on the road and start moving freight. I believe Too Simple did one of the first uh, tests on a public road with no driver in the truck at all. Too Simple has been moving freight every day for a couple of years with autonomous trucks uh, in the Southwest, Arizona to California. I think they have a couple lanes down there. They move a lot of appliances. And they've been doing it for a couple of years. Here's the interesting thing. Um, here's the headline. Too Simple stock faces delisting from NASDAQ due to unfiled financial reports. This is one of those articles that you can read the article, but um, it's hard to know whether we're really getting the real story here. Um, if this company gets delisted, I, I'm going to have to go do some research. This doesn't happen very often. They're, they're delisted off the stock market. They're, it says they're going to appeal it. But I'm wondering why, why would they let this happen? It, all they had to do was file some financial reports and, and this would never happen. And this is a big deal. This could take a company down. I'm wondering why they would allow this to happen unless they're really struggling, um, which might not be a bad thing. I, I don't like the fact that we've got Chinese companies over here leading autonomous trucking in the United States. I, honestly, I wish we wouldn't allow it. I wish our government would just say no. You're not going to do that. But our government has no balls, so that's not going to happen. All right, let's, um, let me see if I had anything else. Right, well, nothing important. I can come back to it later if we need to. Let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls. 
Let's get started in Mississippi this morning. Howdy. Howdy. What's on your mind today? Uh, the road check that's coming up this week, yes. all the people that are taking the week off because they're scared of getting inspected and they're going to go to work next week, I hope you get inspected next week because the result will be the same. If your truck it's... ain't right, your truck ain't right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And why not? Instead of taking the week off just to avoid this, this has made me insane ever since I remember people talking about this. They, they actually, and yeah. look, it, there's nothing wrong with taking time off, but you should take time off for yourself, not yeah. because you're afraid of being caught. And if you're taking I'll time go. off this week, it's because you're afraid of getting caught. And if you are going to take that time you off, will. why not take the time to go get your truck right and learn how to keep it right instead of worrying about this yeah. every year? And also, learning how to do your pre-trip will be a good idea, too. So Exactly. That's Mark what I mean. A, I taught Mark a couple of things over, over the weekend. Like, he, did, he didn't – I'm not sure exactly how long he's been driving, but he didn't know how to check the ABS system. You know, you turn the key on and the light comes on on the dash. And right. The light will come on on the side of the trailer. So he, he learned something the other day, but just simple stuff like that, it'll help you out, and- so – you know, one of our, it, it seemed like a really simple thing when we first came up with the idea at the CMC, um, we would do a truck check-in if somebody wanted to, and we would go over the whole truck for fuel mileage. We had a couple different programs. Yeah. We would go over everything, and, and it was part of your fee to pay to be at the CMC. Not everybody did it. And then we added another one. Dale Howard came in and busted his ass for a couple days trying to do, you know, deep inspections on these trucks and not just doing the inspection but he would go through with the driver and teach them exactly how to do it that program exploded that became really popular people loved that one i'm just surprised carriers don't have a good program like that you know you bring people in for days and days of orientation teach them this stuff and teach it to them right You know, don't just pencil whip it and say, yeah, we showed them the form. Go out and show them the truck. Get Crawl under there and look at the same thing the inspectors are going to look at. That's what Dale Howard did. He would, I saw times where he was under the truck for a half hour with somebody, showing them what's going on. So here's another issue around this that's new this year. Every year that I can remember, people talk about avoiding this. This year, there's something new going on with brokers right now. Because brokers really don't need a lot of trucks right now. They, they don't have any freight. They have trucks begging them for freight. So they don't need a lot of trucks right now. So what they're doing is they're, I've seen them say, we won't use you as a carrier because you don't have an inspection in the last 12 months. I've never heard this before. Yep. But that's becoming a thing with brokers it. now, a big thing. So... Get your ass out on the road this week and get inspected. Hell, just yeah. do this. Yeah, well, I'll, just start off Monday morning or whenever it starts. Is it next week? Uh, this tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Well, midnight okay. tonight, probably. So some places. Yeah. So today or tomorrow, either one, pull into a scale and just ask for an inspection, and then you don't have to worry yeah, about they, the they might, they might say you don't have any inspections. And here's the thing, I promise you this, if you pull into a scale 
and you look shady and you're you're not going to make eye contact and it, you can look and see these people as they're driving by. When they pull you in, they're not going to be easy on you. But if you pull in and yeah. volunteer, I promise you, if you have gigs, they will probably not write you up on it. They will just point it out to you and give you a chance to fix it. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to be taking some time off later this week, but it's to get some maintenance done. I'm going to Florida to get my front springs replaced. So, there you go. Because I'll, I'll get the MD alignment tag team on the job. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah, just, just so, stop this. I'm going to take the week off. Instead, at the beginning of the week, just go get inspected. Get it over with. Yeah. Yeah, well, I... Uh, if, I, if they want to inspect me, I don't give a problem. Yet. Exactly. So that's all I got. I got. I'm going hunting for cars today. So got one missing. All right, have fun. Yeah. So. Oh, when Paul says he's going hunting for cars, that's different than when the rest of us say we're going hunting for cars. Let's. Uh, phone lines are open. Jump in and join us. Eight five five nine five zero three eight three five. We're going to go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. How, how was your weekend? My weekend was awesome. We are having the most incredible summer weather here. Beautiful blue skies, 80 degrees, just a little bit of humidity. It's really comfortable, but the plants are loving it. I probably put in, oh, at least 20 hours into the garden over the weekend. I worked all day, both days wow. on it, and it is just, nice. my garden has never, ever looked like this. I have more plants in the ground right now than I've ever had, and I still have a bunch to get out there throughout this week. But um, I will be harvesting peas already, probably in a week or two. Uh, we're eating spring onions, asparagus. I'm cutting asparagus every day. I'm just, I'm giving asparagus away because uh, I haven't had time to even start right. fermenting it. I just need to yeah. take today and make a jar gotcha. of brine so I can just cut them and throw them in there. Uh, what else? Yeah, the garden is just, all, all my herbs are growing like crazy. And um, I started on flowers this year. That was a new thing for me. I started flowers from seed. I've, I've probably got, not exaggerating, um, I probably have like 1,500 flowers. Uh, you're going to a little business after a little while. Yeah, we're we're putting them everywhere. We just scatter them all out through the property because they bring in all the... Oh, that was the other thing I was excited about this year. So last year was the opposite. I got home late from that long trip. Um, the weather right. was cold and nasty and I was fighting bugs and it was just a really rough start. Turned out to be a great end of the season. You know, I had that huge tomato and pepper crop, but I didn't have a lot of other things. I didn't get hardly any peas last year. My cabbage crop kept getting eaten. Uh, my strawberries finally started producing last year, but then I was fighting slugs the whole time. So it was a really rough start. This year, it's the opposite. I've got this really good start. And the other thing last year, when things did start blooming in the spring, nothing was setting. And and that's an indicator you don't have any pollinators. You can have a super healthy plant okay. that puts out all kinds of blooms, but if something doesn't pollinate it, you're not going to get any fruit or vegetables or anything or flowers. So I had to start buying last year. You know, I start bringing in mason bees and leafcutter bees, and then things started taking off. This year, I noticed as yeah, I soon as I've got a flower. Last week with the what's that? I heard you speaking about that last week with a caller about how you brought in bees and everything. Yeah, this year I was just getting ready to go order them and I realized, wait a minute, every time I have a flower 
it's setting. My peas have so many pods on them, I've never seen anything like it. I already have strawberries growing, and I realized I've got tons of mason bees. I didn't have to bring them in this year. So, you know, you build the right well, environment. Maybe I put the flowers out. are attracting them. Well, there's a couple things. One, you, you have to have something to attract them, but then they also need an environment that they can they can set up. Mason bees and leafcutter bees are what they call solitary bees. They don't live in hives. So it's not like a bumblebee where okay. you have one or a, a honeybee where you have one hive and a queen right. and all the bees go back there. Um, these are solitary okay. bees. They will find a place on their own and just lay their eggs. And, and they don't ever go to a hive. They don't produce honey. They don't sting. But I think oh, okay. I think mason bees or leaf cutter, like one of the two, they, they claim will pollinate one mason bee will pollinate as much as 50 honeybees. It's wow. like all That's they do impressive. all day long. They dive bomb into the pollen and roll around in it. And their, their whole body is covered in it. And when you see like honeybees, right. they just go in and sip the, the nectar and they get a little bit of pollen maybe on their feet or their legs. These guys get in there and yeah, roll around. Yeah, they right? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And so what I've done is I, I created the environment for them. You know, I put up little houses. There's little blocks with different size holes and that will be the right size for those bees. And I've got them scattered all over and it's working because I have got mason bees everywhere right now. And in a month, that should switch over to leafcutter bees. Right, so what do they do? They hibernate then in a month? Is, no, they it, actually, they I, I don't know what happens to the adult. I, I don't know what their life cycle is. It might just be one season. So while they're okay. flying around right now pollinating, they will go back to those houses and they will start laying their eggs. And like the leaf cutter bees, they, they actually cut pieces out of leaves and they kind of roll up the egg almost like a little cigar. So that's what they're doing. They're out collecting pollen and laying their eggs. Those are will be the eggs that will hatch next spring. Gotcha, gotcha. So I have a couple comments. I, well, actually, uh, on that task force for the lease purchase, I'm actually friends with one of the people you... Uh, said was on that task force. I was actually on the phone with him Thursday, uh, just to really? shoot the stuff. He's a, yeah, uh, really, uh, actually really good friends with him. So I can definitely find out what that's, uh, what that's about. A animal defense partnership. Can you even come up with a conspiracy theory around this one? <laughs> no, I don't even know anything about that. That's why it, that was kind of interesting to me. And it just might be, it may be just a voluntarily thing, volunteer, you know, volunteer thing, and he's just that, you know, maybe he has other things to do with the trucking industry. I don't know. I, I can't imagine. And I don't care if it is voluntary. If you don't belong on here, yeah. you don't belong on here. And I'd love for somebody to explain why this person is on this task force. Yeah, I don't know if my friend will know. I mean, he might. He's very, I mean, he's very in tune in the business. Uh, I needed his expertise. I am having yeah. an issue with a... Uh, with a tank right now. You know, I, I stopped um, at her. There was online. one more I forgot to mention. Steve Vichelli, he's a PhD uh, from the University of Pennsylvania. He's an economic sociologist. That makes sense, too. That's sure. I can understand why everybody's on here. I don't like the fact that the Teamsters are on here, but I understand why. I don't think they belong here. You know, uh, going to the Teamsters, I actually had a contract with them in New York. Yeah, uh, 282. Too. 
Um, you know, so and that was a real that's a real union still. It's not like these unions of today. Oh, right. They still have a lot right. of power in the city. You know, yeah, well, I mean, you know, they those guys, they get all, you know, the, the drivers themselves, they get overtime uh, after eight hours, well, not after 40 hours. They don't pay for their benefits. They, you know, well, it costs it costs a company to have a 282 guy about eight hundred dollars a day. Yeah. I've told this story before, but when I had my contract, it was in Cleveland, which was a big union stronghold. And this is back in the 80s. Uh, It would have been late 80s. Um, I contracted my truck to a a box manufacturer. They made cardboard boxes. And I would go out and and do P&D routes, sometimes 10, 12 stops delivering boxes all around Ohio. And then I would usually go mm-hmm. to some paper mill somewhere and pick up rolls of paper to bring them back to make cardboard boxes. It was a really nice right. setup. I loved it. Now, they yeah. paid by the hour for the P&D work and sometimes on, for, uh, by the mile on the way back with the, with the backhaul. I, I was making good money. I liked it. And I get it. That was part of the union, con- you know, negotiating that contract. But the, right. what happened, which is fine, But what happened was human nature, these are independent contractors, but you know what? These guys had been in this job for years. They had all agreed. There's only about 10 trucks in the whole place. And they had all agreed on these P and D routes. We had regular routes, how long they should take. Well, wait a minute. No, it should take as long as it takes me when I'm working hard, not some set. So I started noticing the first, well, about the second or third week, guys started talking to me and they're saying, hey, that, that 12 stop you did the other day, that's a, uh, that's a nine hour run. And I said, what do you mean it's a nine hour run? I said, I think I did it in like six and a half hours the other day. That's our point. It's a nine hour right. run. And I said, Yes. No, it's not. I did it in six and a half hours the other day. And I came <laughs> back and got another run in for the day. And they're like, you're not yes, understanding. young man. You're missing the point. Yeah, you're not understanding <laughs> what we're telling you. And then when I when it finally clicked, what the hell they were? I can't even think that way. So it took me a long time no, to I catch know. on. The guy probably thought I was an idiot. And finally, when it dawned on well, me, well, you I know, said, it was it was the same. It was the same with with regulation. You know, certain things took certain amount of time. That's how that was. That's how those jobs were set up. And. It, you didn't come into a shop and buck the system pretty much. Is that's kind of what they were telling you? Yeah. And I, I finally figured that out. And then I had a decision to make. What am I going to do? Am I going to play along? And I thought, right. no, I can't. I can't do this. There is no way I can spend my day killing time and getting paid for it. That's just wrong. If you well, don't like how much they know, pay the you to do is, the job, go get a different job. Don't cheat. That's cheating right. in my mind. But, well, let me... You're you see now we're talking about apples and oranges because that was the time of the industry where we were just coming off regulation where things were kind of just set in its way. So you were you know, you were the new breed like I was the new breed that came in that we were hustling and making as much as we can make on, on a job. And, you know, so we weren't we didn't bring we weren't really brought up in that system per se. Uh, working in that system. We were around that system because our fathers did, you know, did work at that time, but we really weren't, you know, I was, uh, I was because a lot of local work in New York was kind of geared that way. I kind of knew how that was because at 14, I was doing some local loose freight and the piers and stuff like that and, and things, you know, and you just, 
that's what you did. You, it took you all day long. We were done at 11 o'clock in the morning, but it took us all day long to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, it was a lot of thinking and, you know, soul searching and what am I going to do? This is a really good contract. I'm home every night. I'm making really good money, better money than I was making with in any other contract I had, but it's wrong. Right. And wrong is wrong to me. Yeah. We're cheating that company. Yeah. They're paying you for a certain thing and you're right. cheating them. And it kept happening. Well, a lot so, of this I stuff just decided, is a lot of this stuff is geared to that too, though, Kevin. No, I, but it's and still wrong. A lot wrong. of these jobs are you know, still wrong. No, I get you. I, I, I got that's you. not how business should work. That's not how we should do things. So I just decided I'm going to ignore these guys. They can say whatever they want. They can bitch at me all they want. I'm going to go work the way I've always worked. Now, a lot of nights, if right. we knew what run we had the next morning, we could hook up to the trailer at the dock ahead of time. So we got in in the morning, we could stand there, wait for him to close the door and we could go. So I did that. And right. I came in the next morning and my truck was completely blocked in. And I talked to everybody. Yep. Nobody would move trucks. I talked to management. They just looked the other way. And I said, I'm done. I, I'm not doing this. You know, you're kind of fortunate in a sense, and not that it's right, but you're kind of fortunate. I know guys that actually sabotage people's trucks. Oh, I'm sure it would have happened. I don't know that who did it. Been... I don't know who did it. I mean, I don't, you know, I, mean, I don't know who did it. I just know of, you know, in, oh, in jobs and stuff like that. I, I Pull, pulling fifth wheel pins. I, I mean, like I people really don't you. understand the dangers, the yeah. dangers. In, I, I will tell you, stuff. I did for that next couple of weeks while I was wondering if I was going to stay there or not. I did really, really good pre-trips looking for that kind of stuff. And I'm sure if I stayed, that would have been next. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause people get, they, I don't know. They, people are strange when they get set in their ways. They think you're just, you know, even a new truck coming on, people get all apprehensive. And, oh yeah. Well, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? And all this other stuff, you know? It, so it's, it's, uh, they're just afraid of competition. Yep, yep, exactly. And that's why they that's why when they get into those positions they they like to stay in there, you know. Yeah, so and, and here's my point then about the union. They are heavily biased on this issue. Heavily biased. Right. I will go back and you can look in history, they have never ever supported any kind of a law about independent contractors. They want them gone completely. They want no independent right. contractors in our country. That's what the unions want. Right. So they don't belong on this. Exactly. When you have somebody with that strong of a bias, they just shouldn't be there at all. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, my headset just uh, almost died. Let me just hook you back up. There we are. Um, another thing about the China company, the uh, autonomous. Too simple. This, yeah, too simple. Uh, I have been following this quite a bit. The Congress right now is trying to uh, roll back a regulation that our current president signed when he was vice president on how they report their financials to the market. So this may this this may be just a Chinese company that's propped up by the CCP and really can't do the accounting, you know, to be in, you know, they're getting all investor money because that's what they do. And they're not really a, a company, 
Well, you know, that happened to that uh, that happened to that coffee company too. That was supposed to be the Chinese Starbucks. Oh yeah, you know yeah. they you know, uh, the, they were um, the difference here. I've seen a lot of companies that come in and just you know the the company is formed simply to get government money, like solar panels and and honestly, one of the companies we worked with the um, Smart Truck, it, that company was formed right. just because the the CEO came from the government. He was part of the EPA and that whole, pro- the Smart Way program in the government. And he became the CEO of Smart Truck. I mean, we loved the company, but I hated the fact that it was government money again. And we have the same thing here. Yep. Some companies are formed just for this. I'm not sure that too simple is that, though. They're moving more freight than no, anybody. It, they're it they're a be, trucking company. It, it, I got you. I got you. I'm, I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know really much about them per se. But I mean, a lot of times there, you know, there's other motives. You know, investor money, getting capital, and just funneling I, I, it back to. I'm afraid know, wherever they got it. I agree with you that there's another motive here. I, I'm afraid that it's just China's way of getting into our autonomous trucking here, and we shouldn't allow that. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. So. So they're, you know, they're moving freight, they're, they're getting the technology, they're, they're working the kinks out. And I'm sure there is some kind of subsidy there. There's, mainly there always is a subsidy on these, on, oh. these, uh, on these companies, you know. Here's, a, uh, here's another headline I just read that kind of pisses me off. So the excise tax on new trucks. I've never understood right. what the purpose of that is, other than they just found some new tax they could put on people, and, and we've just been paying it all these years. And because it's a percentage, when truck prices went up, the excise tax became a huge issue, really big. And I don't think anybody yeah. understands that. If you have a $100,000 truck, the excise tax is, what, is it 10%? I think that's what it is. So... There's, there's, there was, uh, I'm trying to think now, when you said excise tax, I used to remember what that was actually for, uh, to subsidize for the government, you know, tax for, is it yeah, highway use? It, I, I'm sure it has some, I would hope that it has something to do with highways and bridges and that kind of stuff. But again, it's just, it's just another tax they can pile. I, we have heavy vehicle use tax already. We have mileage tax already. We have fuel tax already. The hell is this excise tax for? But the problem is it's an unfair tax because it's a percentage. So right. if the government is saying every time you buy a new truck, and let's say prices were 100000 just for an easy number. Every time you buy a new truck, we need $10,000 to fix our roads. Well, all of a sudden trucks became $200,000. Well, nothing changed in the government. Why do they get twice as much money for this tax now? It's an it's an arbitrary tax. That's you know, it's like anything else. Have you ever really seen them ever roll back taxes? Never. Ever? Never. But here's here's the headline. Now, we've also talked about the fact that these new trucks, if 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 you can strip out the subsidies, if you can find them all, I I posted one article that made it look like the new a Nikola hydrogen truck, which is being sold, was $750,000. I don't know that that's true. I haven't been able to find it anywhere else. But that was a claim in one of the articles I posted. Well, and then there's all kinds of government subsidies, so you're not paying that much. But what happens to the excise tax on this vehicle? Is it going to be $75,000 of excise taxes? That's what's in that price? 
It could very well be. So now here's the headline. I'm happy about it, but it pisses me off that it takes this to even get us talking about this. Study urges excise tax repeal for electric truck takeoff. Wow. Bullshit. You have made us pay this tax for decades, and now because you want electric trucks to sell, you're going to repeal it? God. Yep. Uh, a lovely uh, government and, and lobbyists at work. This makes me insane. You know, that's why if, if we had the fair tax, all of this, most of this goes away. Yeah, I don't know if the fair tax cover, I probably didn't cover this one, but people don't understand the fair tax replaces a lot of taxes, not just the income tax, replaces the income tax completely, replaces Social Security and Medicare tax with a different system. You don't have to pay that to your employer anymore. If you have employees, you don't have to pay their half of all this stuff anymore. And there are a bunch of other taxes that go away, but I can never remember the list. Well, what what I what I was alluding to was it's not the taxes, it's the lobbyists, because that's what most of these lobbyists are doing in Washington. That's where all the corrupt money comes from. Is that they they lobby for tax for tax incentives for their for their constituent, you know, their their whoever's hiring them. So that money goes away as well. That those people go away as well. Oh and yeah, that's why I mean, the power in Washington will never will never give it will never give it up. Will never you know. Yeah. I mean, I I would love to do a, you know, a whole fair tech show again. I've done them in the past. We don't have one recorded. Um, So I do at one point want to sit down and and do, I may even do it as a mini series kind of thing, a three part. You know, there are a couple guys that do a really good podcast on the fair tax. I wonder if I could get them to join me. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll just record it so it's there. That would be a good idea. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I kind of hate to take time out of a show to do it because in our current environment, there is zero chance we're going to pass it. We we were getting closer every year, and the political environment has changed so much. We're nowhere near passing that. Yeah. I, you know, there are, there are more people with this wave, like, uh, uh, Brian Donald, uh, Donaldson, uh, the, uh, uh, Donald is his name, uh, the Florida Congressman. He is for that. Um, some of the, some of the people that came in under the, the quote unquote MAGA wave, are trying, they, they actually put that in there. Chip Roy, uh, from Texas, they actually put that in there. So Kevin McCarthy would bring it up. Good. Uh, that was one of the conditions for speaker ship, you know, uh, you know, I say that there isn't much chance it's going to pass, but maybe there's more of a chance. Maybe we're so divided that if the Republicans were able to get back in power, maybe we could convince them to push something like this. Well, the thing is, that's why if you remember when McCarthy was going through trying to be speaker, Biden and his surrogates were talking about how they want to raise your taxes 25 percent. Oh, that yeah. was the the that was that was their that was their way oh. of of trying to deceive people on the twenty five percent sales tax that would overturn all other taxes. Unbelievable! You're not right. Yeah, that's but the, <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, you see, it's it's all in the wording, it's it all is. in the messaging. Yep. you know, and and of course, no. There was a lot of House Republicans that don't want this, of course, so they didn't really push back and try to explain it either, you know? Right. So, 
Yeah. So that's, you know, so there, but we have a lot more people, I think now in the Republican party. And I think some Democrats, I don't think this is completely non-bipartisan. Uh, there are a lot of fiscally conservative democratic, uh, uh, people out there that want to do something. Yeah. So. You know, there, there was a time when the fair tax had some bipartisan support. It looked like one of those things that, that right. might eventually be passed with bipartisan support. I don't see that happening much in today's world. No, no. I mean, cause you got all of these old dinosaurs still controlling the party. Um, and they're not going to let anything happen. You know, Mitch McConnell is a, a shill for China. So, you know, we're not going to see any real, real big reforms on that, on that front until he's gone. Yeah. And it's just, uh, that's why I really dislike both parties. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it truly is a swamp. Yep. Yep. And you got a guy like Trump, uh, maybe his heart was in the right place, but he didn't realize how, how big the swamp was. And how powerful it is yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, look what they did. They tied his whole presidency up with all kinds of legal actions and they couldn't get anything done. Yeah. And then he had people like they had people like McConnell and like Ryan who who only did things that they that they got cleared through the through the establishment, not anything for really us. He had to, you know, to shut down the border, to shut down the border and stem illegal immigration. He had to do everything by executive order. He had to find money in other and other areas of the government that he can appropriate without legal battles to build the wall. There's just so much that he tried to do, but he couldn't do. And as soon as Biden came in, because he's part of the swamp, he just overturned every everything that they did because it was executive orders and, they, and he could do it in a in a sweat in a swat of a pen uh yep you know uh just a, and just yeah so we you know there over the years there have been laws i'd love to see us change the fair tax being one of them term limits being another the the third one i would add is we need to severely restrict executive orders for everybody, because both yeah. parties do it, no, and it I, sucks. That's not how our government is supposed to be run. Right, right. You know, it's funny. You talk about laws. I remember, what was it? Who you were talking to last week or the week before about arbitrary laws that are on the books? Do you realize in New York City, the length law is still 55 feet long? Is it really? No, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is. I mean, because once in a while... You'll get you'll get some guys on the west side who get those uh, those show guys going to the Javits Center and they'll give them tickets on on law on uh, over length <laughs> when they're looking for when they're looking to get, you know, yeah. some revenue in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my my cousin was a New York City police officer. They had uh, red light overtime where you uh, sit there and get and just and just get people for red lights because they need to get quotas done. Yep. True stuff. Yep. All right, Fred, good stuff. We're going to move along. The calls are starting to fill in on us. We've got lines open, though. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. It's a free-for-all today. No theme. You can talk about anything you want. You can ask me anything you want. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. Let's go to Texas this time. Tony, welcome to the program. Kevin, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good. What's on your mind today? You were talking about mental energy the other day when I called from uh, from Washington. 
And, uh, and it just seems like it was screaming out for me to talk about chess that day because, you know, I play a lot of chess and I think we've got a lot of chess players in the, uh, listening to this radio, a lot of veterans, but it's never talked about on this on this radio. Have you ever played? You know, I started to take up chess. I think I was in like junior high and I played a little bit through my freshman year in high school and I absolutely loved it. I really did. I wasn't any good just because I hadn't played enough yet to get really good, but I was starting to figure out some strategies. I think I would absolutely love chess. I just never found any place to fit it in. Yeah, and the reason why I bring that up is um, now that I've bored half the audience, but here's the clincher. When we talk about fuel mileage, uh, wages, parameters, time, uh, legal, uh, how to run our business, are we not playing gigantic chess games with each other? All those different variables. And I think, you know, people don't have time like I do to get out of that truck stop and run, you know, run a six-minute mile, but they do have time. It is so easy to get on chess.com and play a 30-second chess game and burn 100 calories. That's an interesting idea. Never even thought about that, that that's possible now. You don't even need somebody else to play, so you just play a couple minutes here and there. I may start doing that again. Here's the thing for me. I, I don't like games most of the time. I don't like card games. I don't like, you know, and here's the other thing about games for me. The, the less, uh, how do I want to say this? Uh, the more the game is just pure chance, the less I like it. I, I hate games that are mostly just pure chance. You know, it's just a game like Uno, yeah. for example. <sighs> yeah, I know somebody out there is going to say, no, I'm a master Uno player. Yeah, but most people aren't. Yeah, right. Most people play card games and it's just a, just pure chance. I mean, even people who are playing poker really aren't, you know, using real deep poker strategies. I know you can and I you know you can count cards, but most people don't. And I, I'm not going to start counting cards to play cards with friends because that would be dumb. So I just don't play a lot of games like that. Chess, though. It's almost impossible to play chess without learning some of the strategies. And the more you play, the more you learn the strategy. So I I don't play a lot of games at all, period. But chess would be one, like I said, I was interested in it. And I I really enjoy it. Yeah, you'd be the perfect person for it because you can balance so many different things in your head at the same time. And that's what you have to do in chess. There is cheating with computers now. But what's interesting about this is, is that they are starting to track heart rate among these grandmasters now in the candidate tournaments and the World Chess Championship. They're, they're looking at their real-time heart rate, and you would not believe what happens in some of these positions. You are running a marathon in some of these six-hour chess oh, I'll games. Bet. I'll bet, yeah. Yeah, pretty – hey, speaking, so just, of, just, speaking uh, of which – I, I, just because I, I think of this topic all the time right now, have you read anything about how AI is affecting any of this? Yes, it's big in the chess world. Um, the supercomputers have gotten a lot faster, and it's it's now freely admitted that no human can touch a, a, a grandmaster, I mean a uh, computer anymore. They used to, uh, but now it's just, that's what you, I would, you don't even try. Yeah, that's what I would think. Th- this is, a, when you look at how chess is, like you said, there's all these factors. You're thinking, the more moves you can think ahead, the better you're going to be. 
And that's really, really difficult with all the variations on moves ahead. But that's that's what computers do. That's what they are absolutely good at. So, yeah, I could see how that that's just over. There's just no way a human could beat a computer anymore. Yeah, and what's what's funny about this is that you would never guess which countries were represented. Do you know who was in the the World Chess Championship for the world the the top grandmaster? Guess with which countries it was. You know, I, since I don't know this, my guess would be Russia, but I'm sure I'm wrong. Russia, that's correct. And oh, okay. just try one other. China. China. Ah, got him. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I won't I won't say who won, but his name was Ding. <laughs> Paul, get on chess.com. My user ID, Anthony Schubert. Paul, hey, hey. I want to play you a chess game, but for hey, now, Tony, I've, got, I've got all the breaks. Tony, I don't know what happened, but yeah. your sound now, it's like you're a half a mile away. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm hearing something else on my end. I think it's on my board. Let me fix something. I want to play Paul on uh, on chess.com. My username is Anthony Schubert. And for anyone else, uh, it's a good idea. Just just play some chess games. Uh, but I've got all breaks, all my new drums and break pads on, not because I'm afraid of the inspection, but because I'm afraid of the hour they are going to steal from me to do the inspection. We forgot about that. Uh, yeah, I, I get it, but it, it's part of doing business. We could be inspected on any day that you're out there. And I know this week the odds go up, but they don't go up that much. Uh, I've driven many of these weeks where I never got inspected. I mean, we still don't even come close to inspecting the, all the trucks on the road. So I, I just don't understand why you give up a week of revenue uh, because you're afraid of this. And here's what that tells me, that every time those kind of people roll across the scale, they're nervous. Why would you stress yourself like that every day? Just fix the damn truck. Yeah, I'm a lot like uh, your dad, for those that don't know, the, where I like trucks, I don't like running a business, and I am making a giant game out of this, uh, and, and I lose a lot of money by making decisions like that to take vacation on that week because of the one-hour uh, that it's going to cost me, but that it, that's my right. I don't lease to anybody. I can do what I want, and there's enormous freedom in that. So I run this business like like the stupidest person ever just to prove how good a business it is to be in trucking. You can be the, the dumbest person in the world and still survive by making some of the decisions I make. I. You know, I, I, I go way back my first couple of years. I didn't have any money. I was buying old equipment. Uh, you know, I did most of the work myself when I could, and, and I, I didn't like it. And I was always nervous rolling across the scales. I was always worried about getting inspected. And then I got inspected once, and it was awful. I had like six gigs. None of them were big, you know, a little too much play in a tie rod end. You know, little stuff, but but I had to spend a weekend fixing it all, and that was the weekend I decided, why do I do this? Look, I had to fix this stuff anyway. Why didn't I just fix it before? Now it cost me more because now I have tickets to deal with on this. I have time off to get it all fixed. I thought, why don't I just learn how to fix all of this stuff that they're going to inspect and just keep it that way? And it was so much better when I did. Or you could. 
you could make the stupidest decision in the world like I did, buy a new truck and your pre-trip consists of airing up your tires to 120 and checking the fifth wheel and going. <laughs> I remember sorry, days Paul. like that. I'm sorry. Look, there, there were... never, I, I've never done a pre-trip and it doesn't matter. I, I've never gotten in trouble. Sorry, Paul. You know, I, we, we talk about pre-trips all the time and I can say even at that, after I you know got it right, I did not do full pre-trips every day. Come on. There were many times I rolled out of that sleeper into the seat and took off for the day. I mean, there were times where I didn't even get once. Once I almost paid for that, and I, I uh, parked a trailer. I cannot do that. I, I parked a trailer. I have this irrational at, belief that it's going to be decoupled. Well, I, I've yeah. told this story before. I've told all my stories before. Uh, I was parking my trailer at a local truck stop in the small town that I lived in, at the time. Lisa and I, my my wife, we were best friends in high school and we hung out for a year or so after high school. And then we went our own ways. We didn't see each other for 26 years. Uh, and then we got back together. But back then she managed that truck stop in our little town. And I would park on the, and this was a gravel parking lot, wasn't a big truck stop. If anybody remembers it, it was the Eagle truck stop at when the Ohio Turnpike used to be the exit numbers were different. They weren't by the mile markers. So exit 13 on the Ohio Turnpike streets, bro, you got off the exit and it was right there. Little truck stop Eagle. I think it's a car lot now. So I would park in the back and there was woods back there. There was no lights anywhere. It was dark. And I had an early morning appointment in Cincinnati. So I got, I mean, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm getting up to head down to Cincinnati and it's dark and I hook up and I'm just going to hook up and go. I mean, so, and then I had that, that cab over GMC. So I grabbed the handle, swung around to the back and started plugging things in and I was going to go. When I lifted the little flap to put my electrical cord in, a business card fell out. I'm like, well, that's weird. And I looked down and I picked it up and it was Streetsboro police. And I thought, I wonder if they're going to tell me I can't park here. That's odd. It's a private parking lot. So I get in the seat and I'm looking at the card and I'm thinking, well, I, I don't get it. And then it dawned on me, maybe you should look on the other side. And I did. I flipped it over and it was handwritten. It said, your wheels and tires are gone. Call us. My trailer was up on blocks, but it was that dark. I didn't even notice. And I almost pulled it right off the blocks. Wow. Oh, my God. That is completely. Yeah, that is something that I would do as well but not just once in a lifetime every day. So I have to um, check the really stupid stuff like that because I will fall for that. I, I, I was so I do close. have a, an engine I, question I, if you have time. I, uh, the way I remember it, it almost seems like my foot was on the clutch and my hand was ready to put it in gear when I flipped that card over. It was like I was that close to pulling that thing right off the blocks. Yeah, but you didn't because you're a veteran – and, and things just happen right when you do it for that long. Some, something, something was, you know, niggling in the back of my mind saying, something's not right here. All right, Tony, anything else today? I, I do. I thought that was a cop. That's why I uh, took it off the phone. I don't want another uh, cell phone charge. I have a uh, chirping I don't think it's a valve. I think it's the air uh, air dryer. 
uh, and it like squeaks when it shifts gears when you're going up a hill. Uh, wait, wait. If it's the air dryer, it's like crickets. Yeah, but if it's the air dryer, we should be able to find a clear pattern that would tell us it was the air dryer. Like, either you have a very weak unloader valve that's allowing, you know, pressure to escape before it's enough to truly spit. Um, that'd I be do the first think thing. that's it. That'd be the first thing I'd look at. If that's if you can determine that's where the noise is coming from, it sounds just like a weak unloader valve. It probably is the unloader valve. That's the next thing I thought of because uh, I did have a problem with the air dryer in, in, in the cold, but it cleared, and it's only when you're on the throttle. Like if you're going up a grade and you're on the throttle and then you take it off, well, it stops. But it's like the biggest cricket one, you've ever seen or like you're right next to it. Well, here's like a dieseling sound. Here's one of the ways you might be able to figure out if it is the um, air dryer and the unloader valve is if that's happening, you should be building pressure at that point. So if you watch it when it's happening, are you always building pressure when it makes that noise? You know, so our, uh, our, our air compressor comes on. I have to look on. at it more thoroughly. It, it gets to a certain point of pressure, and, and the unloader valve might relieve some, and then the compressor should stop. And we should just see our air gauge, you know, go down a little bit if we use our brakes, and then at some point it hits the lower level and starts pressurizing again. Well, if it's the unloader valve making the noise, it almost has to be happening when we're building pressure. Yeah, and it's hard to determine. One thing I can say is that as th this thing is never purging. It's like either, and I don't think it's building pressure. So it's, it's, it's got the tightest airtight system ever. Let me make it build some air pressure and see what it does. Because it's never building there. They're, they're it's, it's not doing it. It's just random. Oh, then I don't think it's the unloader valve. Or when valve. it's trying to purge. I don't know. I don't think it's the unloader valve. I'm not sure what it is, but... If, if so, you know, let's say you're you build up to 140 and then it drops to 120 and kicks on again. If you're hearing that noise as the pressure is dropping or maintaining, then I don't believe it's the unloader valve. Yeah, it's it's probably could it be doing it just when you're pulling a grade? Yeah, let's let's go to grade. It might not be the unloader valve. It, yeah, it'll now, definitely do it all the time when you're pulling a grade. So so the unloader valve was an obvious choice. I mean, that, that one, it could certainly do this, but we just figured out how we can troubleshoot that as our first step. The, the tough part for me, if it's not the unloader valve, I don't even know where to start looking next. Maybe yeah, I right. would probably start looking around the turbo next. It sounds like yeah, now so here's, what, here's what you might want to start correlating it with. Do you have a boost gauge? I do, and it uh, goes to about 30. So start paying attention if you're only hearing this noise above a certain amount of boost, which would make sense because you said it's on a hard pull, that we're probably getting some sort of a turbo or manifold noise. A leaking, yeah, I would say leaking that's exhaust it, manifold, and it only happens in, when you get enough boost. Yeah, that is correct. That That is exactly what happens because you can have your foot on a little bit and it won't do it full throttle. It's going to come on. Oh, then, then you need to be, you've got to inspect the exhaust manifold through the turbo. It's going to be in that area somewhere. Yes, sir. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Good stuff.
Let's um, let's go to the phones. Uh, phone calls are kind of light today. Last couple of Mondays have been really heavy. Um, it's a beautiful day again today. I have a bunch of other projects I could be working on. Oh, I had a um, I had an exciting call last Friday. Uh, I think I may have mentioned it that um, I had been playing phone tag all week with David Owen uh, from Nastic. Um, David and I have known each other a long time. We've had a couple conversations over the years. I always get along with them. I love Nastic and what they do. And for some reason, we were never able to pull off a project together. We talked about a couple things. Um, one year, we were going to combine their annual conference with the CMC because they do a lot of education at their annual conference. That's what I like about Nastic. Um, and we just couldn't make the schedule work. His was a big event. Ours was a big event. Kind of hard to combine them. Um, so even though we, we, I don't know if there's anybody I've met in the industry really that thinks as closely as I do, or I think as closely as he does about owner operators and very small carriers. We agree on a lot of stuff, really. And, and um, I didn't even realize how much till just Friday, we had a two and a half hour phone conversation. I actually, when I talk on the phone, I normally walk all over the house. Sometimes I go outside. I ended up getting like 8,000 steps just during the phone conversation. We were all over the board. It was actually a, a really interesting call. And we are going to start working on some stuff together. We've got a couple things already I'll tell you about, and I think you can expect a lot more. Um, David is going to join me this Thursday on the show, and he may become a regular guest. Uh, David has a podcast that he does once or twice a month, I think. Um, he's invited me to come on his podcast. We'll be doing that. Nastic's annual conference is in November, I believe, the first week in November. Uh, he invited me to be a speaker at the event, and I've agreed. And I don't do a lot of speaking anymore, but this one I couldn't pass up. So we are, uh, we're talking about a lot of things, and, and I think it's going to be really good. Uh, I think Nastic is an amazing organization. I think David's an amazing guy. Like I said, we, we've talked. We always get along. We just never really... I think both of us were always too busy on our own projects, even though they fit so well together. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll be doing more. I'm pretty excited about that. So Thursday, uh, you can count on that. And then if you're a Nastic member and you you go to their annual conference, I'll be there. If you are a Nastic member and you haven't been, uh, you might want to plan this year. And if you're not a Nastic member, you should really look at them. They have the best fuel card in the business. They have better discounts than some of the biggest fleets in the country. I don't know how he did it, uh, but it's uh, good stuff. And they are a professional association for small trucking companies, all the way down to one truck. Um, and they do training. That's what associations are supposed to do. So um, we'll keep you informed on that. Let's get to the phones. Let's go to Florida. Pat, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I got a uh, health question. All right. Uh, the girlfriend's been diagnosed with something called BPTV. It's a vertigo, benign proximal positional vertigo. And um, you were talking with Sally Norton about oxalates, and you mentioned something about tubes in the ear back in the 70s. What was that about? 
Uh, it was very, very common through the 70s. I remember them still doing a lot in the 80s. I don't hear much about this anymore. It was common if a child was getting sick a lot, uh, a lot of ear infections, throat infections, strep throat, um, that doctors had this procedure where they would go in and put tubes in somewhere. I'm not, I can't explain it exactly because I don't, I didn't know anything about it. I just know that it went on a lot. Um, everybody that had kids was always talking about it. Yeah, my kid's getting tubes put in his ears. They would put in these drainage tubes. Well, come on, why do we need those? Something is wrong. There's nothing wrong with the human body. Our head is just fine. Why did these kids need this procedure? And it turns out it must not have been a very good procedure because I don't think they do it much anymore. Right, it disappeared. So this vertigo, uh, I'm looking on the internet and I'm seeing some relation to uh, uh, oxalates and, and also to berberine as a potential for dissolving oxalates in the body. You used to work a lot with berberine as opposed to metformin with diabetes. Uh, but I'm still hearing that's also good for dissolving kidney stones. I have never heard that berberine could potentially dissolve oxalate stones. I'm going to have to go do some, well, I'm not going to do some research. I'm just going to send an email to Sally and ask her. I, I've never heard that. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's some recent stuff on the internet. Some yeah, studies. yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. There's lots of things I haven't heard of. We use berberine quite a bit. It's one of my favorite supplements. It's a single source. I mean, it's it's very simple. It comes from a berry. I've bought the berries dried before, and you could just eat berries, and you'd get some berberine. So I, I like it. It's a simple um, nutrient. Seems to be very powerful. We know it, it works at lowering blood sugar. There may be some oxalate effect, but uh, I'll send a message to Sally and ask her. Now, here's the other thing. Um, I've been able to help a lot of people with vertigo when it's not inner ear, when it's like weak adrenals. Usually if it's inner ear, I don't know what to do. Um, and I, I've never had to really deal with that many, but I'm going to go do a little digging here. This is an inner ear issue, and it is possible that it's oxalates causing this. Right. Well, what I'm hearing is there's a fluid that all circulates around the inner ear on the uh, semicircular canals, which is sort of like a gyroscope in your head. And uh, there's a fluid that floats on the hairs. And if you get too much, uh, and there is actually some oxalates that float in that fluid and stimulate the hairs, and that's what determines your balance. And uh, if, if you get too much oxalate accumulation there, uh, there's too much weight in the hairs and it's not given the proper signals. That, that makes sense, and that seems like a really logical explanation. If that's the case, then we want to manage our oxalate load. We don't want to eliminate oxalates completely. Um, we've seen right. issues arise from oxalates after somebody goes carnivore, and they're not eating any oxalates at all anymore. We see issues. At that point, the body says, look, there's no new oxalates coming in. Let's start dumping the stuff that we've stored for years. And it's the dumping of the oxalates that can cause a lot of these issues. So um, Sally actually recommends trying to manage your oxalate load at about 250 milligrams a day. So the body can start clearing some oxalates, but not usually enough to cause these kind of problems. 
Yeah, well, like you, like you, I think with chocolate or stuff, we sort of uh, ended up picking up some healthier habits, which turn out to be not so healthy. Which is basically Sally's story. I think uh, curcumin we've been using a lot of, and that's high in oxalates, right? You know, that was and, one and I dark, never really. Dark chocolates. I I never really got into the curcumin turmeric thing. Maybe a little bit in the very beginning, and I realized I, I see no benefit from taking a bunch of curcumin, like everybody said. It's such a powerful anti-inflammatory. Well, I, maybe it is. It's got other issues that that we know of, like the oxalates. And if you've got a really clean diet, you don't need that anyway. Why would I need a powerful right. anti-inflammatory when my diet is anti-inflammatory? Yeah, I got you. But also with chocolates and some other, what are the other things? Yeah. Kale, oh. I think she was eating. Yeah, I definitely yeah. found out many of my favorite foods are high in oxalates. I, I love growing beets and eating them fresh in the summertime. I got to watch that. I love oh, dark chocolate. I love, you know, we use she's almonds a lot. all the time. I'm in production. Yeah, it's... So, but you know what? It's like everything else. It seemed overwhelming in the beginning. Now it's no big deal. I don't even think about it. I, I know what high oxalate foods are. I know about how much I can eat of them every day. And I, I know how to balance them out. It's not that big of a deal anymore. I'll uh, send you a link to see what I uh, saw on berberine and dissolving kidney stones in, yeah, in, like the, uh, in the tubules. And uh, I was just trying to, you know, play concentration and connect the dots and figure if it uh, does it there in the kidneys, maybe it can help dissolve it in the bloodstream and, you know, in in your ear. You know, that that that's we need more of that. I, I tell people all the time, test this stuff on your own. Figure it out. We we can all learn from this kind of stuff. All right. If you hear anything from Sally, I'll be listening. All right. We'll do. All right, um, phones are just kind of dribbling in a call at a time. So uh, if we run out of them, I'm going to quit for the day. I have a lot of other stuff I could get onto, but I'd be happy to stay here and take your calls. So line them up. Let's go to Kansas. The, oh, hold on. Oh, I see. I was trying to take that call and, uh, oh, well, it was being screened and now it's gone. I don't know if I did that. I don't think I did. Um, Morgan, if... If that call dropped, it may have been me. Not sure. Uh, And that's going to do it for our calls. So give you, uh, take a quick look over my notes today to see if there was something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, Let's see. What did I have in my notes today? We talked about the excise tax. Talked about the uh, FMCSA panel. I'd like to find out why we have... uh, basically a PETA member on there, kind of what it sounds like anyway. Um, Oh, calls now are starting to come in. So uh, looks like everybody woke up and they're starting to call in. So I'll hang out here for a bit. Uh, We're screening one right now. So I'm kind of looking through my other notes. I um, actually wasn't all that well prepared today. I have a lot of notes from last week. I just don't remember some of the topics I wanted to talk about. And I am sticking with my no news at all on the weekends, none, and minimal during the week, just checking in maybe once once in the morning, once at night, quick check, see if there's any major stories I need to be aware of. And then on the weekends, I don't even look. And I'm loving it. So um, my opens may not be as long, uh, but boy, calls are piling up now. I better get to them. Oh, I'm waiting. You still have to screen them. <laughs> 
Yeah, calls are coming in now, so everybody woke up. What else do I have on the board here? Oh, I, I'm still... Uh, I am going to be doing the Twitter spaces this week. Wednesday will be a health space. Uh, I think we're going to do them at noon. Um, right now, I'm not set on a schedule. We'll see how the schedule works out. Right now, the schedule is Wednesday at noon for a health space, Thursday at noon for a trucking space. And uh, I've been reconnecting with a lot of people who didn't know we were still on the air. Uh, that's been one of the things that's happening a lot over on Twitter. So um, I am still very, very concerned about this new CEO that Elon has, has appointed and hired. I don't get it. I think she's a freak. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I really hope he doesn't blow this. Let's go to North Carolina. Harold, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today? A couple of comments on the vehicle inspection. I used to be lazy on that, but with these new trucks, all you have to do is press a button on the dash and it'll check all your lights for you. All you got to do is walk around. And then, of course, it's good to check the oil and coolant and everything every time. Hey, hey you know, you just mentioned lights. That's a kind of a cool feature. We have something in our store I almost never talk about. But it is one of the best things for this issue, for your pre-trip inspection. And that's the, um, the BrakeSafe products. You can literally walk around your truck, look under to the axles and, and without crawling under there, see a visual indicator of your brake stroke. That's a good item. It's an awesome item. Did it's you one buy of my favorites. I don't know why I don't talk about it more. Did you buy that from a guy in Clovis, California? No, actually, you um, remember? actually, it's a product of a really good friend of mine from Canada. Oh, okay, okay. A friend of mine, like a next door neighbor's son was working on that a couple of years ago, and he used to come and test it on my brake pedal to see if it would it would hold it down so you could do that. And they were trying to sell it to all the PG&E trucks there in town. Now, here's, but, here's uh, a, I, you know, this is kind of hard to describe if somebody isn't familiar with the brake chamber and the stroke and all that. And, and you should be, you're supposed to know how to measure it all, but I know a lot of drivers just aren't. So here's what it does. You install this down on the, the brake stroke in the chamber. It's a pretty simple product. It goes on pretty easy, but what it does is it has a moving goal. So once I have these things installed, all I do is, is hit my brakes hard, a good hard brake application, and then I can get out and look. And those flags will be in a certain position on every brake. And I just look at them and go, yep, it's within stroke. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a different product than I was thinking about. This one, he had just pressed the pedal down so you can see if your lights worked and take a look at your brakes that way. Yeah, but... but yeah, that's a, that sounds like a good product. Yeah, what you would have to do on that is I'd still have to crawl under there and mark my brake rod and then do that so I could see how far it moved away from that mark. What this does is Correct. record that stroke and then leaves that flag in that position so you can see it. That's a, that's a great idea. It's an awesome what? product. And here's the thing. <laughs> You can buy a three-axle kit for your truck. It's $110. Here's the other thing I will tell you. We get these reports constantly from people that use this product. It's been around for a decade plus. They, I've had so many people tell me, 
the the inspectors look at it and the, first off they're amazed how to, that's a great product and it's almost like they don't write any tickets for brake issues they're like well we can see you care about your brakes you took the time to buy this and invest in it and they can visually see without them doing the measurements once they understand how this works right i've got all, all disc brakes on this one so that's uh a non-issue on this truck here because you don't have any any uh, brake can well you don't have any rods to te- test. Correct. That eventually this product will be obsolete, which is fine. I love disc brakes. We should all have them. But um, while it's there, yes. so the you can also get a two axle kit for the trailer seventy four bucks. So for two hundred and some dollars, mm-hmm. if you had a truck and trailer, you could have all five axles taken care of. Yeah, that's good. I've got a question for you on, uh, I had a huge expense last year going uh, towards 29 Palms out on Highway 62. Uh, August 8th last year when 500 cars got stranded in Death Valley, I was going across Highway 62 and there was flash flooding out there and I crossed over four or five little little uh, water flows across the road. And the last one, I hit a boulder and it dented the bottom of my pan and stopped my oil pump. So this is a relatively new car carrier I bought brand new and took to Pittsburgh Power in the beginning, but I had to put a new engine in it. And because I went through water, my insurance agent said it would be a fruitless claim. So I didn't pursue that. At my age, I've got to be cognizant of renewals and everything. So I bit the bullet and replaced the engine with a crate motor. Cost me total about $75,000 with the towing and the installation and all that. Wow. It's an X-15 and in a car carrier. So, But my question for you, Kevin, is do I have to write that all off in one year because I paid for it then, or can I spread it out so, I, so my corporate tax year doesn't look so bad? So I'm going to explain this, but you might be surprised at my answer. You can spread it out, and technically it has to be depreciated. So let's start there. This is a major upgrade. There's no way around this one. It's a major upgrade. It has to be depreciated. I don't like to depreciate stuff. I want my write-off right now. I don't care how bad my year is. Unless it takes me into a loss, a true loss. That's what it would do for my corporation. Yeah. And I I hate to show the loss. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I want to make sure we're, we're right here. So you're telling me that at the end of the year, your corporation had less than 75000 in profit. Well, I paid myself and my wife and my daughter probably about 150000 Yeah, but so that, no, with that but in there. We, we need to sit down and do a, a deeper dive into this because remember, your corporation pays no tax ever. S-Corps right. pays zero well, tax. All the tax flows through. So all that payroll. I've got a C corp. I've got a C corp. Why? Who did this? I don't know. I've had it. I am. I did it probably back in the early seventies when we had another another business that I since sold. But, oh, this. So this, I have two separate. If you found this separate for, uh, tax forms. It, right. You have a true tax-paying corporation, and I'm wondering why that could have cost you a hundred thousand dollars too much in tax. 
No, I'm serious. There's only nobody been a couple does years look, where I paid. No, nobody does C corps. Nobody does a C corp until the IRS forces them to become a C corp because they're too big to be an S corp. Because it, you get really? you, it's double taxation. You pay tax, and so does your corporation. In an S corp, that's years, not true. I haven't paid a lot. In an S corp, the yeah. the S corp pays no tax. All of the money flows through to you and it's paid on the personal level. And that's how we create savings when you have to pay. And then the government keeps raising the damn corporate tax. So you get killed because of that. They change the corporate tax constantly. Trump got in and lowered it to a nice amount. Biden got in and immediately raised it back up again. So, yeah, you you should not be a C-Corp. Hmm. Okay. And and when you well, when I you am. when you claim <laughs> that you had a you know this tr- truck took you into a loss, then yes, at that point we do want to depreciate it to spread it out a little bit because we would lose an advantage when we go into a loss and we have to carry that loss forward and it gets complicated. So this would be a case where I would depreciate it, but only because we have the wrong structure to begin with. Because if this were an S corp. <laughs> We would take this seventy-five thousand right off the top and never even think about it. Okay, so could I do it for as short of two as two no. years? No, or you do don't. I need to spread no, it out further it, no, than it that? is a it is a three-year property. You don't get to pick this. It is that okay. that rebuild okay. will be the same time frame as a new piece of equipment, and a truck is a three-year property. So any major upgrades we have to depreciate also become three-year properties. Now, here's the other thing to remember. In a three-year property, it actually affects four tax returns. So if this is something that happened in 2022, you will have it on the 2022 tax return. If you put it into a depreciation schedule, then it will be in 23, 24, and 25. Yeah, our tax year starts July 1st, so. Oh, my God, there's another screwy thing. Why did somebody put you on a tax year other than the calendar year? Ah, God, that makes me a little crazy. It's just too complicated for small business to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, we've dealt with it now since probably 92, I guess, something like that. Yeah, so and there's it, only been two years where I had to pay a lot. Once when I sold the other business and well, then but, but last here, year. But here's what you don't know. Even if you didn't pay a lot, I can tell you, you paid too much. You paid more than you would have with an S-Corp. Is it hard to switch those? Uh, or do you have to it's not cancel hard. them and it's, start over again? Yeah, I would. It's not hard. It's a pain in the ass. I hate this kind of stuff. Um, but I would do it. I, I would. Now, here's the other thing I would do. I would go back. There are some weird strategies that I've seen some accountants use that kind of make C-Corps sometimes look okay. I'm just not wild about any of them. They're overly complicated, but I would go back to him or I would take it to somebody totally different. Take it to our guy, take it to Travis and just say, tell me what would happen if I were an S-Corp instead. 
So what would I send in my personal taxes and my business yes. taxes then? Yeah, you would just send both and of them to Travis or, or somebody else if you want. But I can tell you, Travis will, will give you the right answer on this. Our firm will and let him look at it. And if he looks okay. at it and says, hey, you know, they're doing this strategy over here and it's actually then I go, oh, OK, all right. It's complicated. But if it's working, it's working. Um, or he might come back and say, look, we could simplify this and you could have an S-corp and you'd pay less tax anyway and it'd be easier. But but we won't know until somebody reviews it. I'm about 90% sure, but I've been wrong once in a while. <laughs> You're not wrong very often in the stuff I've been listening to you. But you made me mad one time. I went to that Las Vegas truck show to see you. I went on a Saturday morning and you'd already left. Because <laughs> I couldn't get there. Uh, the last time they did the Las Vegas truck show, I think, when I first started listening to you, I thought, I'm going to go in and see Kevin. And you weren't there. You had left already. You had flown the coop. <laughs> I wonder why. I'm trying to remember why I would have left a truck show early and nothing's coming to my mind. But uh, Las Vegas, I, I might have left just because it sucked so bad. At the end there, the Las Vegas truck show just wasn't worth going to. Yeah, that's the last one I went to. This year, my that, timing was off to go. You so, weren't there anyway, but... Uh, well, they canceled Las Vegas years ago. Um, no, I know. I, I know. But I, try, yeah, I tried to make it to Louisville this year, oh, and yeah. I, I was so, off by a couple of days. Sort of, Las Vegas is kind of back again this year. What I mean by sort of is it had a weird history. There was a California truck show that was run by the California right. Trucking Association. Then Randall Riley started the Las Vegas truck show. And then at one point, Randall Riley convinced the California Trucking Association to join the Las Vegas show and it became one. Then it disappeared completely several years ago. And Bruce just told me a couple weeks ago, uh, it's coming back. And I think he said October, November. I need to go look because uh, maybe I'll combine that trip with the trip to Nastic. Because that's in November. I should start checking that. I went to the one in Anaheim for years. It used to be right across the street from Disneyland. That I was went the, every yeah. year for a that that know, was the California trucking. Years. That was the California Trucking Association that did that one. And this this Expo West conference we just went to a month or two ago was right there in that same area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bought my first disc brakes on an '83 truck, and uh, I got a truck and trailer with disc brakes then, but they were so undersized about the most I could get mileage wise out of them was a little over a hundred thousand. Really? And at the wow. time I had a, I had a, yeah, I first, this first set, I only got 50. So I changed my braking uh, habits and I got it up over a hundred, but I had a shop. I could go change them in myself at the time. And uh, it was hard work, but they had all the tools and I, I supplied the labor. So it wasn't, that bad, but just doing it every hundred thousand was tedious. Oh yeah. These now that I have on, on this one, I've got four fifty seven, and we just swapped, uh, seven tires around last Monday. And I looked at them all and they're, they're not even 50% yet with, oh, nice. with almost half a million miles. Yeah, These new nice. brakes are just incredible, <laughs> but all right. Well, I've been wanting to ask you that tax question. Uh, it's, you know, it's been since last I, August and I'm doing, you know, get, getting ready again this year for I, I taxes. Think so I didn't know what to tell my accountant. I think it would be a really good time to get a second opinion. Okay. And All make right. it a second I'll, opinion. 
I, I, you know, if this guy, I don't know if he wasn't thinking, if he never thought to use the S corp and, and now you ask him to go back and run the numbers and he's going to start thinking, Oh, you know, what if it is wrong? And I was doing it all these years. And so let's just get a second opinion on this one. Okay. All right. I'll do that. You know, I started taking that berberine and I've been taking uh, blood pressure medication for years and I lost a little weight because of the eating less, eating almost no bread now, but I've been able to come off of the blood pressure medication with the Excellent. berberine and less bread. Excellent. Very good. Love <laughs> so that. No more lisinopril. No more lisinopril. Yeah, <laughs> we, we absolutely love that. All right, Harold, if you do get a second opinion on this, call me back. I'm always interested in other strategies. And I, I, like I said, there are a couple ways you could use a C-Corp. It just gets way too complicated for me. So We'll see. Maybe he's maybe he's got something that works. Let's go to Texas. Dwight, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I've got bad tendonitis, and uh, now they're starting to run these darn infomercials saying it's killing our brain, killing our everything, and they've got cures, and I don't believe none of it, but what do you know about this tendonitis bad ringing in the ear? Yeah, tinnitus. Uh First, first off, it's not killing your brain. God, I hate when they do stuff like that. It's not doing anything to your brain other than it may be distracting while you're trying to use your brain. There's no long-term damage here. There's no short-term damage. We're not damaging the brain, but it can be distracting. So it makes it feel like maybe our brain isn't working as well, but there, there's no damage here. So let's throw that out. Yes, any cure you might see on TV, forget about it. They spent all of their money to market this product on TV because it's a problem and people will go buy it. So just ignore all of those. Yeah. Now, what do I know about it? Almost nothing. Because nobody seems to know anything about it. We don't really know. We know some causes, but we don't know why they, they affect it that way. Lots of people, we can't find any cause for it whatsoever. The one thing that I do know it's been fairly consistent. Most people that clean up their diet, it goes away or gets better. I am. Um, uh, you know, I've got a got a fairly fairly good diet. Uh, have a few more cheats so, off and on. So here's and it does seem to go away off here, and on. Here's what I usually recommend to people: pay attention to the pattern or. Just get really strict on, you know, either a keto or carnivore diet for two weeks and see if it goes away. Well, I'm pretty much, unless I do a cheat, I'm, I don't know what my diet is, but, uh, I mean, I would say more carnivore for sure. Um, my, now my cheats are, and you mentioned it a while ago, beets. Oh my gosh. I, I love beets, and I go through a, I buy a, a quart jar of, and so go through that let, a week. Let, let's think about something. We had two calls today dealing with the ear, and one of them, and I'm going to go look for the article, and I'm going to talk to Sally about it. One of them claims he's come across a link between oxalates, and it makes sense. We could get some oxalate buildup on the inner ear, could cause the vertigo. Maybe it can also cause tinnitus. Yeah, well, I do. I do eat a lot of beets, 
and I usually do bare minimum one and sometimes two and sometimes three of the uh, cardio miracle. Yeah, we there's because, some oxalate yeah. in there. It's not as much because of the fermentation process, and it's only a small component in there. Um, and I take Cardio Miracle every day because of the benefits. So I just need to know there's a little bit of oxalate yep. in there, and I gotta I gotta watch that along with the other oxalates. But you know, we forget about the almonds and almond flour products, which are very very popular for people on paleo diets. So we're getting it from the almonds, yeah. the almond flour. Most other nuts do have oxalates. Um, some are lower than others, but nuts are a big part of keto diets. And a lot of people, when they're carnivores, still kind of eat some nuts here and there. So if you want the, the, the best test to know whether this is, well, no, that's not true either. See, we could go two weeks of hard carnivore and we might cause it to get worse. Your body might start oxalate dumping. Yeah. I think what uh, you're going to have to do is, because, is start to yeah. moderate your oxalate load down to about two to 300 milligrams a day and try to be as strict with that as you can for a couple of weeks. And let's see if this improves. Yeah, I need to get Siley's book so I can start tracking a little better. But uh, because, you know, I've, I've got a refrigerator in my truck. I bring my food almost every single week, very few exceptions. And uh, it's steak, it's bacon, it's, um, I, I do I do some avocados, but. Um, um, how, what, what's the know, quality it's, it's, of the, the meat you're eating? Ah, uh, it's, well, it's grass fed. Uh, some of it, I've, some of it, uh, uh, I'm, I've got my beef on the hoof right now, but uh, I bought it from a friend okay. that's totally okay. grass fed yep. and, and I buy grass fed meat, you know, some through the internet, some uh, at my local. Okay. So it is so grass-fed. That, that's excellent. That's all I was looking for. Is it, it's a better quality than just industrial raised beef is really all I'm yeah. concerned about. Yeah. Sounds like yours uh, yeah. is very good quality. So we're good there. We can ignore that. So I have two ideas then. One, I would try to manage your oxalate load for a couple of weeks. Keep it between two and 300 a day. You know, you're just going to have to check every day for a while. Let's see if that helps. If that doesn't help, then I would recommend a NutriQ and we're just going to have to start digging for weird stuff. Yeah. Well, my beets, unfortunately, are not, uh, they're not pickle. You know, they're, they're regular vinegar beets. So they're. Well, wait, 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 that wait, part, wait, stop. You know, stop. I want to correct you on something. What you meant to say was they're not fermented. They are pickled. Yeah, yes, you're, you're right. Yeah, there you're you right. go. They, they are pickled with vinegar. Just, Correct. You know, yeah. Uh, I haven't got to the point of raising mine yet and, and fermenting them. I do eat a lot of fermented cabbage. I buy the refrigerated high-dollar yeah. cabbage. I, I love cabbage, you know, and so I do that, but I can't find the pickled beets yet. You mean they're fermented there, I just beets. hadn't found them. Fermented beets. Fermented, dang it. Yeah, See lots there, of that tendonitis is yeah. getting my brain. That's right. Lots of pickled beets, they're in every grocery store. Just It's harder to find Everyone. fermented beets. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's a company here in Oregon, just down the gorge from me, uh, and I just drew a blank on their name. Um, 
they actually make the beet kvass and they make all kinds of fermented beet products, which I usually love, but now I tend to stay away from them. If I'm going to eat beets and, you know, I'm just going to grow my own, but I, I've minimized it. I'm not going to be, you know, chugging down beet kvass like I used to. Um, the benefits from beet kvass do not outweigh the problems from the oxalates. Not for me anyway, because there's too many other high oxalate foods I really like. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite greens is fresh beet greens. Well, here's the thing. You should, anything, al- you, you should almost just eliminate greens out of your diet. I am really starting to, to think now you definitely have an oxalate issue. You're eating a lot of cabbage, you're eating a lot of beets, you're eating a lot of beet greens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you've got an oxalate issue. Yeah. Now, remember, yeah. I know you said fermented yeah. cabbage. Fermented cabbage helps, but it does not make it a zero oxalate food. Yeah. I, I, I think you're probably right uh, because, I, you know, my diet's pretty consistent and it's pretty, uh, and the meat part of it's pretty clean. Well, you know, it's. And still, I don't it, eat a lot of greens, it, but. It's still hard for us to wrap our head around the fact that I could walk out to my garden, pick a beet that is so far beyond organic the way I raised it. You just couldn't raise a a plant any better than the way I do it. It's that clean. We have a hard time wrapping our head around the fact that that thing could still be bad for us. And it can be. We just have to understand plants are really not our friends. We have to be very, very Mm -hmm. careful about how we add plants to our diet. And I'm not getting rid of them. I I will always eat plants. I just can't see myself being 100% carnivore. I don't want to be. So I'll do the work to manage what what plants I eat and try to keep it out of the, the trouble zone. But it's just hard for us to imagine that. We just think if, especially if we're growing it ourselves, that that has to be healthy for us because it's been pounded into our head. But it's just not. And and we just have to start realizing that. Plants have issues. Yeah. Well, uh, me and my wife have both. We've we've really taken out most most greens and plants. I mean, it's... uh, it's as you know, if if we do like the beet, you know, that's just pretty much do the summer anyway. Because if we don't grow them, we're not eating them. So right, and, uh, and it's not that much. Yeah, same thing here. I'm going to eat a lot to, more yeah. plants in the summertime than I did in the winter time. They're all going to be what I grow. They're all going to be organic, obviously, way beyond organic. But I'm also studying varieties. You know, I found a a variety of Chinese cabbage. I hate the fact that it's Chinese, but it really doesn't matter. It's just the whole China thing right now. Um, Yeah, makes me a little crazy, but it's just another variety of of cabbage. And it's much, much lower in oxalates. It grows really well here and I like it a lot. So I've been even doing that. I've been fine. Potatoes. Normally, I grow like eight different varieties of potatoes. This year, I thought, you know what? I'm going to find the lowest oxalate potato I can find, which seems to be what's called a red Pontiac. And it's a red-skinned, white-fleshed potato or almost a little yellow-fleshed with red skin. It's lower in oxalates. That's all I grew today or this year. All 10 of my potato bags this year are just red Pontiacs. Yeah. Well, um, 
uh, I'm laughing because of the Chinese cabbage, but because I'm I'm almost that bad. I I, I am so anti-China, right, and no, I've always been. It's long right. before where we're at now, but. Yeah, I'm going to start calling it something else because it's not like that it came from China. I mean, the plant grows here in the United States and I'll collect my own seeds and I'll regrow. It's just the name drives me crazy right now. Uh, but with right. beets, yeah. um, I, when I'm growing my beets, I have a neighbor. I haven't seen her yet this year. She's Asian and she loves beet greens. And I told her, anytime you walk by the garden, bring a pair of shears in a bag and just take as many beet greens as you want because I'm not going to eat them. And she does, or she did last year and the year before. She would come by and get a big old uh, bag full of beet greens. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyway. And, oh, anyway, I, and I have taken out the almonds. I've used to eat a little more almonds and then until Sally came along. So I've really just about done away with that. Now, what about pecans? I need to find out. Pecans aren't as bad. Um, I do love pecans. Uh, on I'm the gonna, yeah, I haven't like memorized the whole list of a nuts yet, but I've got a list from Sally that I usually keep pretty handy. Let me try to grab it here real quick. Uh, okay, I'll just go through these so everybody knows. I'll just read the list. So, any you want to take a guess on what the lowest oxalate nut is? I can almost guarantee nobody's going to get this right. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks of this as a nut. Even though it's right in the name, we don't never think of it as a nut. A coconut. What's that? A, a coconut. We don't oh ever think God. about that as a nut, do we? No. But it is. An oil. It's an oil. Yeah, it's, no, it's a nut. So it's the lowest oxalate. Zero. Oh Um, Good. Macadamia nuts, 10 milligrams per ounce. Pecans, no, macadamia nuts, 12 milligrams per ounce. Pecans, 10 milligrams per ounce. So far, pecans low. Pistachio, 14. Pecans still lowest. Walnuts, eight. That may, that's a low one. Uh, That's the nuts. That's really all I have on this list. Then they go into seeds. Uh, Flax seeds are really low. Hemp seeds are really low. Pumpkin seeds are low. Sunflower seeds. Watermelon seeds. Now, here's the the high stuff. Almonds. Now, let's go back to pecans. Pecans were 10 milligrams per ounce and walnuts were 8 milligrams per ounce. Almonds are 122 milligrams per ounce. Uh, Oh, wow. Brazil nuts, 137. Cashews, 49. Hazelnuts, 63. Pine nuts, 56. Sesame seeds, 126 milligrams. So. Yeah. Where's chia? Where's chia seeds? I didn't didn't see chia. Everybody was big on chia. Yeah, I know. I didn't see chia in here anywhere. Um, Yeah, I don't see chia. Uh, So pecans are a good choice for nuts. Pecans and walnuts, macadamia nuts, those would be your best bets. Well, good. Because I, I, one, I do love them, but. We got hundreds of trees. My family's since they moved from the Czech Republic uh, 130 years ago. They that's all they grow. So that's awesome. in my family. So yeah, I love that. So hey, I, I like all of have, that. Have you ever tried my roasted pecan recipe? I don't think so. No. I take uh, raw 
pecans and I mix up, God, I got to think about this. I haven't done it in a long time and I had it memorized for a while. Whatever big bag of organic pecans they sell at Costco, I can't remember if it's a two or a three pound bag because I built my recipe around that because I do a whole bag as a batch. So I melt a bunch of butter and then to the butter, I add a little bit of honey and a little bit of maple syrup and cinnamon. And then I take, and that's in a big pot. And then I take the whole two or three pound bag, whatever it is. And I just coat them in that butter, cinnamon, honey, and maple syrup. And then I lay them out on sheet pans and roast them in the oven until they're almost burnt. I mean, you have to stand there and watch them. And it takes 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and when they're really starting to get dark, I take them out. They are incredible. They're so good. Okay. Well, I have not. <laughs> yes and no. I, I have had that version or similar. My wife does that. It's just a different variation. Same Here, thing. Here's the big butter. All starts with carrying old butter. I was just about to say there are nuts on the market that are similar. They might be covered with maple sugar or something like that. They don't use butter. Butter is the key here. Lots and lots of butter yeah. make these things amazing. Yeah. Plus, you don't need as much yep. sweetness then. So these are not, these really aren't high carb, even though I use honey and maple syrup. When you look at the amounts, and, and on Healthy Tribe, there's a recipe, I posted it somewhere with amounts and everything. These are not high carb at all. I mean, we're adding such a tiny amount of sweetness to the, the little bit of nuts you're going to eat anyway. But they are, they're really good. Well, she'll do a touch of honey. She'll do two versions that, that I like. Uh, she, we've never went to the extent of yours with the honey, the maple, and that. But she will do, and it's, of course, it's always the butter, Kerrygold butter. We, we buy Kerrygold butter, you know, 12 at a time. And, but she'll either do uh, uh, salt, which we do mainly Redmond salt. And we like pink Himalayan too, but we buy a lot of, you know, we buy 25 pound bags of yeah. Redmond oh, salt. Yeah, I, so everything's a, got Redmond salt. I, I put a ton of salt on them. Oh, I also put a little vanilla in that mix too. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to try that. You know, right now she's doing either the butter, butter, honey, and a little salt, or the other version has a uh, little bit of uh you can do a little bit of pepper or some yeah. other. I sometimes uh, I'll. Know. So yeah, same direction. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Say, yeah, it's sometimes I'll throw a little bit of cayenne into uh, half the batch or something, and they're sweet and spicy. Really, really good. Let's uh, let's continue on because the phone lines are just slammed right now. We will go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome. What's up, Kev? Uh, a quick thing, that guy with that squeaking or that chirping noise, what kind of truck was that? You know, did he say? I wasn't even really asking the, the details. This is so common across any truck that I really didn't ask. Because it could be, if it's a Packard, there's two things it could be. It could be that oil, that, that centrifuge thing that spins, like it, uh, to help it, um, you know, extended. That's why it has a, long, a longer oil change on it. Because it gets the whistle. I remember a while back, John, uh, well, what was John Wilco, whatever, from Pittsburgh Power was talking about that. And that made like a chirping, squealing noise yeah. coming from there. So if he's not sure, positive, it's coming from the, from the, um, the air dryer. 
And then the other thing, believe it or not, if it's a pack car, a Kenworth, there's a mount on the uh, side of the uh, truck for the, for the stack, and it's rubber grommet, and that radiates through the whole cab. Because I have it, we, we we replace them all the time. Being in the construction, you know, bouncing around, and it and it and it wiggles back and forth, and it just like a, it just chirps. And you're looking in the head head rack and everything else to find it. I finally found what it was, and I just bought I bought a t- um, tube of grease, like the special grease for rubber, and I just put a little dab in there and rig it around there, and it stops it. So I don't know what kind of truck it was, but. Yeah, well, that's uh, I didn't know that about the pack car, so that's good advice. He's got a pack car. He's got some other things he can look at. Yeah, and then a quick thing on, so I got my, I didn't start doing my copper and silver yet. I still have this copper and zinc couple. I think I bought two bottles of it, so I'm going to finish that up before I start it. But I did get that first aid gel, and uh, last week I was, uh, I have my lift gate goes up, swings up like a demo steel trailer. So you have to pull this button to swing it up. And I was next to another pile of dirt, and I, I used my right hand to do it. Now my left hand and pulled it out, and I scraped. I cut it on a piece of I didn't, couldn't get nothing to stitch, but it was bleeding pretty good. I put a bandage on it, and then uh, that stuff came when I ordered it. That jet was unbelievable. I mean, it just... You put a dab on there, it, it, you let it sit, and it just like actually gets drawn into the to the wound. And I, from what it first looked like, when I got home, my fiance was like, "You're gonna have to go get a tetanus shot." I was like, "I don't need no damn tetanus. I had one I don't know, I, ten years so, ago. I'm not going to get a tetanus shot." <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about tetanus <laughs> shots. Um, I do love the. I've, I've already used the silver topical too. I, one day I forgot. Um, about how intense the sun was getting. Cause it was one of those hazy days where you don't feel it as much. And I walked in the house and Lisa looked at me right. and she said, you are really red. And I thought, oh man, I wasn't even thinking. And I've had some horrendous sunburns in my life. So I panic, like, ah, oh, I gotta get something on this right away. And then I, I could feel the sting was starting. I put silver on, on instantly. Uh, the other thing- nice. yeah, I, um, amazing. I am shocked now at how I don't burn the way I used to. And it's not because of the silver. I did stay out a little too long. But I will tell you, as long as I stayed out that time, I I should have had a horrendous sunburn. And I didn't. Had a little bit of discomfort. The silver took it away completely. The next day it was fine. There is a very strong nutritional component to how well we tan or burn. I have burnt my whole life. It is completely different now. Yeah, I'm the same way. Because I, I laid out like we, we're getting floors done and the bathroom done. So I had to move a whole bunch of stuff around and get put it in the garage so they could come in and do it. Then when I was done, I was out in the yard. I was like, I just lay by the pool for a little bit. Well, I took a little siesta for about 45 minutes and I got pink. I turned pink. Right. But I like I was the same way, Kevin. If I went out in the sun, I would burn and you know, I'd hate life. You know, but, you know, I enjoyed the sun. And then I went out, I went fishing yesterday and it was overcast. And I even picked up, I even got, didn't get burnt, but I got browner again. So it's definitely something with with the nutrition, without a doubt. It's big. I would have never, ever thought that. But it really is. Hey, I got to start moving through these calls because they are piling up on me. Let's um, so calls are going to be a little shorter right now. Some days when I've got time, you know, we can BS all we want. Um, I want to make sure I get through these calls today, though. So I'm going to move a little faster today. We're going to go to Illinois. Charlie, welcome to the program. 
Hello, Kevin. Good morning. What's on your mind I today? I should call you today. I figured I should call you today and help you because Matt's probably not working today. There you uh, go. The IFTA tax, or not, not the IFTA, the, the federal excise tax? Yeah. It's 12%. Oh, it's 12. Okay. 12%. I thought, you know, when I yeah, said 10, and, and I thought, it, is it really that high? That was my first thought, but you're right. Now I remember it. It is 12. That, that is a ridiculous tax. It, right. It was created because of World War One or two. I don't, I'm not that old, so I don't oh. remember that, but that's oh. why it was created. <laughs> it is, it is absolutely yeah. a ridiculous tax. Why should we have to give the government 12% of what we pay for a truck? Fair tax. Yeah. It, well, I don't even know if the fair tax would fix yeah. this one. We might have to go after this one itself. And then let's think about it. Yeah. Even though you don't pay an excise tax on a used truck, it impacts the price. Right, right. Yeah. I got a tax question then, too. All right. Okay. Well, we got the we got the excise tax strained out. Yeah. Now, I'm the one that bought the glider and traded it in within six, seven months. And got money back. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> that was a hell of a deal. Okay. So I thought so. But anyway, and, and I'm driving this one, and uh, it's been in Pittsburgh Power and done a, lots, of, lots of good stuff on it. But anyway, so the question is, do I have to depreciate that one? And because it was, it was in service, but do I have to depreciate that? Or can I just, like, do a, like a wash on that or what? Because I bought this one at the same time on a trade, but depreciation changed. So I got to go back here and, and follow this through to make sure I'm getting it right. Um, start at the beginning. Give me the transactions. Okay. I bought the glider for 120 Okay. Glider, 120 Same year. Last right. year. What year? Last March. March of last year? 16. Oh. oh, yes, yes. March of last year, yes. Wait. Bought it or sold it? No, I bought it. Okay. All right, March 22. Okay, now, what happened next? And I, I traded it in August, and I bought this truck, so they gave me a check back. How, well, how much was the the amount that they paid you for the truck specifically? The 123, I bought it for 120, and okay. they paid me back 123. So you had never depreciated it because we didn't get a chance. You sold it before we filed the tax right. return. What you do have. Correct. So we can skip the depreciation. Don't take any. There's be no reason to take any because we just have to give it back anyway in the same year. It would just create a big paperwork mess. So just ignore depreciation on this truck. But you do have a $3,000 capital gain to report. Yeah, but I mean there was expenses, so yeah. Well, not. I mean there was there was maintenance in it, but yeah. No, 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 no. That doesn't matter. You already deducted the maintenance, or you're going to. Okay. Don't skip that. Okay. You get to deduct all the other expenses for this vehicle, and don't skip it because there's no way we could make that up. You have to take those. What we're not going to take is depreciation because we already know it's been traded. We'd have to recapture it on the same tax return. Now, if you were saying I bought it in 21, sold it in 22, I'd say take the depreciation in 21, we'll pay it back in 22. We can create a little bit of an advantage there. But if it's in the same year, there's no point. But you do have to remember you do have a capital gain to report. Yeah, okay. 
All right, because my accountant is super, super straight, almost too straight sometimes, and I'm afraid he's going to try and screw something up on this. Um, he, he, if he does something, it's really not going to cause you any issues. He may choose to depreciate it and recapture it. If he's really by the book kind of thing, he may think, no, I'm going to report it the way I'm supposed to. We'll take the depreciation, we'll report it and give it back just so he's got his whole paper trail. I don't bother, but he may do that. And if yeah. he does, it's it's not a big deal to you. I was concerned of lo- lo- losing the 25% or whatever it is on the recap. I mean, on, on depreciation when you sold it. Yeah. No, you're, you're not losing the 25%. We're just giving it back, which is no different than me not taking it in the first place. Yeah. And then this one can just get 179 more than likely. Correct. Yeah. You can 179 as much of the next truck as you want. Well, let me throw one more loop into this because we sold a couple of properties, but they were rental properties and there's probably a long-term capital gain on the rental property because it was my father's and my mother's. So that would be a long-term. So that's when, probably going to be that we owe. When did you okay. inherit it? Uh, well, they actually gave it to me and the, ex, the ex-wife and I. Well, and well, then I had well, to hold, pay it off. Hold on. Let me clarify something. That's what inheriting is. Yeah, right. They gave, it, they to gave you. it to the ex and it, I. And then, correct. You, did, you didn't yeah, buy but, it. That would be totally different if this were, even if it were your parents. If you bought it, that would be completely different. You inherited it. That is a gift. So, and that's why I'm asking, what year was that? Oh, I don't know. This is going to really get complicated because we had a home equity loan on it. And that has nothing to do with anything. And it went into, oh, so, okay. So I have to go back to that. Okay. All right. That was like, I don't know, 15 years ago. Somewhere there is a document that says on this date, you inherited this property. That that's the date we're looking yeah, for. We're going to, we're going to get down to the month and, and day kind of on this. Cause I'm going to explain to you what has to happen in order to know the gain. It's not that hard, but people don't understand how this works on the day you okay. inherited it. We set the value. So it doesn't matter if your parents paid $2,000 for this 80 years ago, and it's now worth $200,000. That's not the important part. On the day you inherit it, we set the value. And that is the value used to calculate gain or loss later. So that's what you've got to do. You've got to go back in history and figure out roughly what was the value of this property when I inherited it. Then we can now say, if you sell it today, we can now calculate gain or loss. Okay. All right. He's going to pull his hair up, but that's okay. You know, honestly, even though we don't talk about a lot of these issues, if you do tax returns, you you have to come across this stuff. And it's really not that complicated. Right. I, I get it. I just, he'd probably pull his hair out because he's yeah, it, great. It, it sounds complicated and it's a lot of paperwork. But for the most part, you know, if, if you know what you're doing, the software does all the work anyway. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got today. Thank you. But uh, I figured I'd call and help you with the... Yeah, federal Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. It was worse than I remembered. Let's go to Texas this time. BJ, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What's on your uh, mind I got today? a question on the magnesium that you talk about. I went on the side and looking and I found a magnesium copper 
Um, is that the only one that you have that you're using? Is there something else? Wait a minute. When you say a magnesium copper, I'm not sure what you're talking about. It, I think it was copper. It was magnesium and something else in, in the supplement instead of just magnesium. Well, almost all of our magnesium products have other stuff in it. Like we have Actimag, okay. which is multiple forms. We've got uh, Light Balance, which is a certain form. We have our Mellow Magnesium from Ned, which is a different form and has some other stuff in it. So I'm still not clear about which products we're talking about. Well, I'm just trying to find out which one I should get, basically. What are you trying to solve? I thought I was just looking for... Well, just to have magnesium. I'm not trying to solve anything. I just want the magnesium. Well, I, I you may not need any. Okay. I mean, if the, so let me go through some. Magnesium can do a lot of things. Certain forms of magnesium are really effective for constipation. Are we dealing with any of that? No. Some forms of magnesium are just good for hydration, like electrolytes. That's kind of light balance. Any issue with hydration and mineral levels? that you're aware of. I take the light balance every day. No. So you're, you're good there. Uh, right. Overstressed and having trouble sleeping. Any issues there? Yes. Then you want to try our, let me get you the right product here. Um, this is the thing about magnesium. We use it for very, very specific reasons. And if you don't have these reasons, uh, okay. we may not need it at all. So we've got two products in the store that can help with sleep, both from Ned. One of them as a driver, you'd have to make a tough decision. It is only CBD. It is CBD derived from hemp, but it is a full spectrum product, meaning they use the entire plant to produce it. And it's produced in a very clean way. And when that happens, there can be trace amounts of THC. I don't believe it would ever be enough to set off a drug test, but we haven't tested that to know for sure. So I tell drivers, take this one with some caution and you got to make up your mind. Um, it's very effective. You got to make up your mind if you're willing to take that risk. And, and at some point we may try to test yeah. it, but we haven't been able to do that. Otherwise, we have a product in a store called Mellow Magnesium. That's the one you want to take. Mellow, okay. I think we have, all right. I, I think we brought in all three flavors. There's a plain with no taste. There's a lavender, I think, because lavender is kind of good for sleep. And then I think there's a Meyer lemon. Um, none of them taste very good in my opinion. So <laughs> right. <laughs> those are, I okay, usually um, I, I mix my magnesium every day with my cardio miracle because it tastes better that way. Okay. I can put it in my uh, copy. You could try, but it does not taste good. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. Um, trying to remember. I have three questions. Um, another one. I heard another caller a couple months ago called in. I have the X3 bar, but I lost the laminated instruction page, you know, has stuff on both sides. Yeah. Uh, is there a way to get in another one of those? Um, you know, call our tribe care. I'll, I'll run it by them and see if maybe we could get a stock of them in. I believe you can print something from their website. Okay. You might want to go poke around yeah, their website. Yeah, I've got online. They're showing one. Yeah, I called them and asked them to send me one. They said, sure. And they sent me the, the little written little two-page pamphlet 
Oh, not, yeah. Was not even what I asked for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, maybe we'll so, see if we can get some in. I never really thought about it, but um, I know they have it in some form on the website somewhere. I've seen it. Uh, I, I looked. I must not be looking in the right place, but um, I'll check again. I get bad cramps in the arches of my feet, usually just one foot, but I get it. I'm getting it more and more at night and also um, restless leg syndrome. So you want to double or even triple up on the light balance and see if that takes care of it. Most of the time it does. And if not, there is another magnesium product in the store you'll want to add, which is called Actimag. But just try doubling up your, I would actually triple up your light balance for a week or two and see if it takes care of it. Three, three caps a day? Yep. Okay. All right. And then um, a couple of calls ago, you had someone talking about kidney stones and berberine. Yeah. Um, the affiliation, I called in before about my kidney stones and talked about it, but um, yeah, I, I had them pretty, pretty bad. So... I'm really watching my oxalate levels. I've uh, talked with Sally Norton. I've got her book, and I've got it on audio also. And um, really, I'm trying to be really careful because I've pretty much stopped everything that has oxalates. And I remember her saying, you can't do that. So I'm really watching what I take for right. you know, my oxalate intake. So, yeah, the yeah good I've just news, got some concern and stuff about that. The good news is it's not hard to get oxalates if we need some. The hard part is just keeping it at 250 milligrams a day. Right. So I mean, you've told me to keep my, I used to take a dark chocolate, the little square at night. And you right. said, yeah, go ahead and you know keep doing that. We don't want to stop it altogether. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. I'm and, just and, really I'm, trying to watch my intake. I'm kind of glad stopping it altogether is not the answer because I don't want to give up those foods. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I want to stop it altogether because I don't want the kidney stone. So it's kind of like a, I'm the opposite of you. Luckily, you don't have this issue, but yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. So I'm yeah, really but, trying to get rid of them and it's kind of hard, you know? But yeah. My issue with oxalates is joint pain. That, that seems like gout, which made no sense. There was no way I should have any kind of gout symptoms, but I was, and it turns out it's oxalate crystals, not uh, uric acid crystals. It feels the same though. Right. Yeah, I heard you talking with Sally when she was on the show. Yeah, that's my indication that I, I've either cut out too many oxalates or I've I've allowed the number to creep back up again. I start getting that joint pain. Usually shows up in my left shoulder first because of the injury, then my right foot, then my right hand, and at that point I know I gotta change something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um and then uh I'm jumping all around here. I don't remember her name that was on with the, um, the oral care. Yes. So I ordered that kit. So I'm dying for it to come in. I have a question. Um, I use a power toothbrush. Of course it doesn't have the same bristles as her toothbrush. So I'm just wondering what my pros or cons would be if I stuck with that I, uh, charcoal bristle toothbrush as opposed to. Yeah. I've always used a really high end electric toothbrush. Uh, Lisa even has one that's got a water pick on the toothbrush itself and they seem yeah. amazing. <laughs> uh, get rid of all that stuff and use the charcoal to are the, uh, the toothbrush that's in there with the bamboo handle and the really soft bristles. 
Right. And I was trying to overthink it too. Like, well, I just got a new one and all. I'm like, well, know. switch everything and start using the right product. We're I, probably not going to need it. Yeah. I am. I am right back to just using the toothbrush and I, I love the feel of it. It works really well. So yeah, I, I got rid of my um, high end toothbrushes and I use the little, um, just the little one that comes in the kit and replace it a lot. Yeah, that's my next question is how long with that toothbrush will it last? Do I need to get another one because there's no indicators on it? And yeah, I, also, how long does the day and night powder last? I'm you know, last it, a long time. It's one of my there, there's a number on there, how many brushes you're supposed to get out of those containers. So, I don't come anywhere near it. I must be putting way too much powder on my brush. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't come anywhere near whatever. There's some number on there, like that thing's supposed to last 150 brushes or something. I get about 30 out of mine. Okay. So I might start backing off and trying a little less, but um, I, I, I like it. it. Again, it doesn't foam like toothpaste. A lot of people are going to go, oh, right. what, this stuff's doing nothing. But it's got essential oils in it and minerals, and it's just really good stuff. Yeah, I switched to uh, a clay based toothpaste a couple years ago good i get it offline i don't remember the brand name of it but it doesn't you know it doesn't foam or do any of that and it has essential oils and clay and i just read the ingredients again the other day so i think i'm kind of ahead of the game there but not the rest of it. it right same with me and you know i i just switched everything she has a kit she did right. a really good job putting it together i just scrapped everything i was using and i used the kit right that's kind of where i'm heading all right. I think that's all I got, Kevin. No, you're busy today. That's all thanks, I need. Thanks Thank to your team and you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program. Oh, let me try that again. There we go. Uh, you were talking earlier about asking for inspections. And I had, uh, I was, I do a lot of oversized loads and we went to, we were going to California where we were required to have state trooper escorts and, I talked to, to set it up, you know, before I went out there, he's like, it's, we have to do an inspection on you before we go, or you can get an inspection, you know, on your way out and, and then you'll be good to go and we can just take off. And I was like, all right. So I was going through a few ports. I went through Laramie and I asked the guys at the Laramie port to inspect me and they're like, no, we don't want to mess with it. And, but they gave me a state trooper's phone number and I called him and I asked him to do an inspection on me. And he's like, no, we don't want to do it. And so I was like, all right. So I was going down 80 and I can't remember that port where, when you go in on 80 into Utah. And I asked them, I was like, would you do an inspection on me? Cause I'm going to California and I gave, I gave everybody the whole spiel about it and stuff. And they're like, no, we're not going to do it because California is super picky and we don't want them finding something after we gave you the who, sticker and stuff. Who told and I you thought, this? You guys are. Who told you this? The guy at the port. He should be fired. The guy at the port. He should be fired. <laughs> I don't care how strict California is. You either know how to inspect a truck and you're confident that when you put a sticker on it, it's right or not. And if you're not confident, get another job. Come on. What a piss poor excuse that was. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Nobody wanted to touch it because I was going to California and stuff. But yeah, total bullshit. My... I mean, look, I could see you getting turned down once in a while. Somebody's busy. They don't feel like doing it, whatever. But I know lots of people who have requested it and they get inspections all the time. 
And you know, when I went to California, we met the troopers and it was the easiest inspection I've ever been through. I didn't even, I, everybody kind of built it up to be this big deal and they were super cool and passed right through it and stuff. Well, it was just, uh, it was just uh, funny asking. Look, I asked three different people to do an inspection. You know, I, I even used to repeat this lie. Like I repeated many lies before I learned better. I used to say, oh, you could have a brand new truck and nothing's wrong with it. And if they want to find something, they'll find something. That's bullshit. They can't. It's either fixed or it's not. It's broke or it's not. Now, you might get somebody totally corrupt, but that's pretty rare. And, and I, if, if I knew my shit is right and somebody tried writing me a ticket, I'd drive right to another scale and say, do it again. <laughs> yeah, uh I was just, I, I, I just never asked for an inspection and that was my well, experience. Well, it is kind of funny. You I couldn't beg in for one. You can't get one. And we have people who are going to take a week <laughs> off so that they don't get caught in one. Hey, Kevin, I got a quick other question. I just, uh, dang it. I, uh. Oh, that call just totally disappeared. I have no idea what happened there. Let's, uh, keep moving along. We'll head out to California. Gene, welcome. Hey, good day, Kevin. Hey, I, a uh, couple weeks, I was listening to one of the previous shows and you were going on, uh, somebody called in and was complaining about people texting on their phone while they're at the fuel island going down through. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I just had a, an incident with that. I was coming out across Texas and TA Petro now has a, a fuel app on their app, a part where you can pay at the pump. All your card information is registered and that way you don't have to swipe your pump, your card, and put all your information that's already on the app and going down through it. Well, I got out of my truck, and I was preparing the app to get my code, and a driver walked by and goes, you know, drivers like you over here texting at the pumps is why there's a backup line going over there, and I had to show him that I'm actually fueling right now. <laughs> well, a look, bit of a I, misconception. I, I'm a freak about the whole fuel island because I hate fueling up, and it would it pisses me off when people are sitting there waiting but I never even thought about somebody texting while the pumps are running. They're running. What else are you going to do? I mean, I've taken care of everything else right. and I still have. To, so I, I've never even thought about that one. I mean, if I see somebody and they're standing there by the pumps, that's a good thing. They're at least they're doing something. Right. Yeah. That's what that driver come up by me and says, you know, drivers like you are the problem. We got a lineup back here. Says, so now which, here. which truck stop is this? PA Petro. I need to check because on up, up until now, on any of the truck stops, I've never been able to find a way not to have to go in. If you only use a credit card, you don't have a fuel card, you have to go in always. And it makes me crazy. I'm thinking, why do I have to go in? That just takes more time and somebody's waiting for me. Why can't, why isn't there a way I can do this at the pump? So I'm going to check and see if, if the, maybe their app will allow me to do it app, at the pump. Well, their app is called Truck Smart, and if you go on Pump Smart, is one of the items on the uh, on the home screen. And once you go through the first time, you now, register it on there. You register your Calm Data card. You have see, to, they'll give you a code. There's the issue that I need to verify because they're playing Jay or somebody else had an app that was the same way, but it was only verifying fuel cards. It would not do it with a just a credit card. Yeah, I don't know if the credit card is acceptable or not. I know I can put different types of payments in, but I have my Calm Data card through Landstar, so we just... Yeah, the, the, now, the last app that I tried that claimed 
claimed you could fuel just from the pump alone. It would work with a true fuel card, would not work with a credit card. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not protect. I don't know the answer to if it takes a regular credit card, but, um, I do know with this pump smart app and I know pilot flying J has a similar app. When you pull in, you put, you just hit a couple screens and then it gives you a, a seven digit code. You punch that code into the key. As long as the keypad's working on the pump, then you don't have to swipe your card with the, uh, all the skimmers and the, uh, people trying to, you know, steal your information at the uh, pumps now. My, it's, my uh, guess is that a good bit more secure. Yeah. My guess is that these haven't changed the fact that they won't use credit cards. It sounds like they're still using fuel cards on them. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that, but it was, I just kind of, cause I just heard that over one of your shows while I was going back and about somebody complaining about somebody standing at the pump. Well, if you do, if you do it too early, it's only good for 15 minutes, I want to say, but if you're in line for the pump and you don't know when the truck's going to pull ahead of you when they're busy, if you put the code in too early and you don't have your number ready. So I just, as I'm pulling up, that's whenever I'm doing it. And then you have to wait on internet connection, but it, you know, it takes time out of the equation. Yeah, no doubt. And no it's doubt. More secure. Yeah. You know, the one thing I don't do anymore, I have to go in the first time to get them to activate the pump. I never go back the second time anymore. Not that it would matter because I'd pull up and be out of everybody's way anyway, but I just don't even bother going back in. There's no need to. I don't need the receipt. It's already cleared. So once I get fuel, I just leave. Right. Um, but I have another question about uh, diet. organic coconut oil, the, the soft gel capsules. What about them? Is, is it getting too much? Are they good to take with every meal along with the brain octane I'm taking? Can you, can you get too much coconut oil in your system? Well, it's not that I could get too much. It's like, why would I put it in a capsule? I mean, I hate swallowing more pills and more capsules, and I'm swallowing a capsule to get, what, an eighth of a teaspoon of coconut oil? Why would I bother? I can't imagine why anybody would want to take a coconut oil capsule. Just eat some coconut oil. Convenience convenience yeah. to me, it's a pain in the ass. I already have a big tub of coconut oil. Why do I want to carry around another bottle where I'm getting, like I said, a half a teaspoon per capsule? I'll just reach over with a big tablespoon and eat some. Okay. Yeah, no, for me, look, I'll answer your question. No, you'll never get too much coconut oil by eating capsules. I wouldn't be able to get enough. Right. Yeah, no thanks. And I, I bet it is the absolute most expensive version of coconut oil you're ever going to see. Right. Now go to Costco On and the buy the giant tubs of coconut oil. Yeah, we get from Sam's Club. Yeah, that, so that's about 50,000 capsules worth. Right. Yeah, don't do the capsules. Just eat a little bit of... Is, could, it, could the recipes be added into the Healthy Tribe a little bit more easier to find? Because they... I go in looking for a specific we're, recipe that somebody's talked about and there's, it's not, we're it's working on that. Sometimes. We're working on that. We're going to be adding okay. a lot more recipes and meal plans and it's going to be far more organized. That project is in the works. That's, that's one of my projects right now. And I guess the last thing I'd like to touch base on is on the app. I know you're coming up with a new version. Um, when I'm going down the road, I'm listening to a pre-recorded show without downloading it, I'm just listening to it as I go. If I get a phone call or a drop signal, I might be, um, I don't know how far I'm into it. Say I'm an hour and 22 minutes into the show. It drops off. I have to get back to the beginning and then I have to go and find where it, where I was at in so the show. Here's, Is there, 
Are they addressing? Here's the answers on the app. I don't have any of them. Um, I have so many projects going on and Aaron is so good at dealing with our app that I, I might get an update once a month on the app. But our tribe care team is always pretty well up to date on issues like that. The other place you can always really good answers on the app is in, in uh, the tribe site, which is now combined, Healthy Tribe and Trucking Tribe are one now. Um, you can always get good answers in there. Tag Aaron. Do you know how to tag somebody? Well, okay. I should ask if you're a member. Yep. Okay. I am. Yeah. If you know how to tag somebody, tag Aaron. Part of the thing with updates on the app, they could be coming out every day sometimes. I mean, they're, the programmers are always working on cleaning up code, fixing bugs, adding things, tweaking features. So I would have to get updates two or three times a week to know what's going on with this stuff. Right. I spend the, it was one, the one irritating thing about the app is whenever it, I get a phone call or something that drops off, I just wanted to make sure. It got I, I know I I've, I've on the tribe as well. seen those issues discussed. Sometimes there's a fix. Sometimes, you know, we, it's a bug that we end up working on. So I, I never know where we are on that stuff. Okay. Well, that's all I got. I'll let you move along. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Wisconsin. Michael, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What can I help uh, you with today? Based on what you had, okay. Based on what you had told another driver about C Corps, I can kind of guess what your answer might be to my question. But have you ever heard about the Rob's 401k business startup program? Say that again. Rob's 401k business startup program stands for rollover business startup 401k, where basically you take your 401k from your previous employer, start a C Corp that has a 401k program, roll over your 401k from your previous employer to your C Corp. And then you can use that 401k funds to fund a startup business. Have you ever heard about that? I haven't heard of it because I have two problems with it. Startup should never be a C-Corp. I talked about that earlier. It's way too complicated. You're yeah, get... I, that's what I figured. What's that? No, I would say that's what I figured you'd say based on what you told me. Yeah, it, it, it's, look, there probably is a way to do this. There's two reasons I'm not wild about it. One, it complicates everything and puts us in a business form that we should not be in. Two, We'd have to really be careful if if somebody should be using their retirement funds for a business startup. Right, it's it's a tax free, penalty free way to start a business. With well, your I, but 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 hold on, if I have twenty thousand dollars of my own cash sitting in the bank, that's a tax free way to start up the business. There's no tax on that. It, the the sure. money in your four hundred one k is already tax free. All they're saying is they have a loophole to help you start a business with it. It's cash that's sitting there. I get that. But that doesn't mean I want to use that money or should use that money. Okay. The the tax-free, forget it. You already have the... Here's what they're doing. They're being misleading in order to make this sound better than it is. When they start hyping the tax-free part, you already have the tax-free the money's already in there. You never paid tax on it. Using it for this business doesn't change right. anything. And if I go use my own money for business, what tax is there? There's none. Anything I use as a right. startup is a tax deduction. Right. So no, I'm not okay. a fan of I, this at all. I, not at all. For two big okay. reasons. One, I don't want to be a C-Corp just to make this work. 
because it screws up the rest of my business and complicates it and adds cost and everything else. That's not worth that trade-off alone. But then we have to look. I am not saying I would never counsel somebody to use their 401k to start a business. I might, but I'm not going to make a blanket statement that everybody should be doing it. Okay, I understand. Yeah, I... I I actually got into a big, big debate on social media the other day because I, I talked about with interest rates as high as they are, people should be looking at HELOCs to finance their trucks or their business. And a HELOC is a home equity line of credit. And people freaked out. Oh, I can't believe you're going to put your house at risk for a business. Well, I am. I'm confident enough. If, 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 if I expect somebody else to lend me money to start the business, why am I not confident enough to use my own money to do it, even if it is my house? Right. But well, that's kind of the way I was thinking with just 401k. You know, which, I yes. You're investing I would, in yourself is what you're doing. I would consider it in the right situation, just like I would not recommend everybody run out and get a HELOC to run their business. If you're new, if you if you don't have history, no, we should stay away from risky stuff like that. But if we've been in business a while, we know we're pretty disciplined, then yes, I will use these tools because I can create an advantage with them. Okay. But this no, one does no, not I've, create an advantage. Any... This one creates a bunch of headaches, okay. and there are much better ways of doing this. Okay. Well, I appreciate you, Kevin, and appreciate everything you do for everybody. So You're welcome. I value your... This is an accounting company who figured out that you can do this. It works. They make a bunch of money doing it, and it sounds like they're overhyping it, making it sound like it's better than it really is. Let's go to Nebraska. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I wanted to talk about AI, and um, I wanted to see, have you ever seen the movie Lawnmower Man or, or the Short Circuit movie series? Or not series, the, but the, the first answer one is and the no. second one. The answer is no, and I will tell people if you ask me if I've seen a movie, the odds are about ninety-six percent that I haven't. I just have. I just don't watch movies. I never have much in my life. Okay. Well, they would be helpful to bring um, visual to some of the AI kind of things. Um, but since you haven't, then that would take too long to describe. Um, Glenn Beck did a podcast um, this past week with Tristan Harris about AI. Fascinating stuff. Highly recommend it. I just listened to AI Apocalypse by William Hartling. Um, pretty much all seven hours. It was fantastic. Um, and then I wanted to ask also that uh, as you want to know more about AI, how far are you willing to go to want to know? I mean, it, it starts to get into the science fiction kind of thing, but I think you can bring reality reality to it because that's what's happening in our world today. Yeah, my my biggest issue with AI material and learning right now is I'm overwhelmed with too much of it. Can't even come close. I've got 15 books on my Kindle already. I've got podcasts that have been recommended. I, I just I'm just overwhelmed with material and I have to find time to start getting through it all. Okay. Well, I just wanted to help you with your yeah, it, it helps. And Always send me recommendations. And or if you call, I'll, I'll write them down. I put them on my list. But I, I am, like I said, the biggest issue right now is I'm just completely overwhelmed with material. Well, and with Tristan Harris, as well as um, kind of like the other movie, they talk about transhumanism. And um, that's kind of where I wanted to basically see if that's 
where you wanted to go no. or even wanted to no. find out about. No, not okay. yet. Not okay. yet. I, I well, am transhumanism is way down the road. You know, some people might say it's not as far okay. as you think. I get that. I'm not trying to predict how far down the road it is, but I know right now there are AI issues that I'm far more concerned about or interested in than transhumanism. Okay. I'm worried about everyday well, people losing their jobs, lots of them, and and in in a bad economy right. already, this is really bad timing, and I'm worried about the political issue of AI not being right all the time, not even close. AI can be very, very biased, and we've already seen that. Uh, and I'm worried about AI being used against us by some other government. Those three issues, I could study this all day long every day and not even keep up with those. Right. So on, um, uh, I just joined Twitter, and I just uh, um, followed you on Let's Truck. Thank you. You think it's possible that, um, well, like with Tucker Carlson or even Elon Musk with their uh, their satellite system, that if the government didn't like it, they could just blow it out of the sky? Um, no, the government wouldn't have a prayer at trying to, I don't think. He's putting up, I think, thousands of satellites for this. I don't remember what the number is. It's one of those numbers that when I heard it, it was so big, it didn't even make sense to me. So I'm okay. sure they could, I'm not saying they wouldn't have the capabilities but I'm saying, and I remember thinking this was a good design on a system. He has so many satellites, he's got all kinds of redundancies. It would be very hard to take it down just because of the sheer number of them. Okay. Well, you know, with the solar flares and that, that they, uh, I think he lost so a few. He, and, uh, here's one know, of the interesting things. I like things. to think when it, I drive. Here's one of the interesting things about access to the internet. It's something I've put a lot of time and money and effort into because when I'm mobile, I have to have access. So this has been something I've been working on for 15 years and I still pay close attention to it. Uh, if we have a power outage in an area and you have all the, you've been prepared at home, I've got battery backups, I've got multiple generators, I've got solar. I mean, I, I will produce power somehow when I need it. Now, if I want access to the internet, how good is it going to do me to have power? Sure, I can fire up my router, but the the cell tower that I might be getting a signal from has a backup generator that might last a day or two, then it's gone. I can't access it anymore. My fiber optic, if the company that runs my fiber optic has no power, my fiber optic's going down. The one system that does not go down in a power outage is Starlink. If I can get power to my router, I can fire up and get to the internet. Okay. I just thought there might be some kind of like a, a real life Star Wars kind of thing. But too oh, many there, science there, fiction movies. I there might be. I mean, every, uh, all the, you know, first world countries are work. I mean, we have something now called the Space Force. You haven't heard much about it with Biden because Trump started it. But we, that's another branch of the military, the Space Force. Yeah. So, yeah, space and That's satellites just, and... Just wanted and, to add. No, we're, we will be fighting future wars in and from space. Yeah. But I don't... I, I well, think it would be really, Kevin. really difficult to take down Starlink. Okay. Anything else? Just my two cents. Nope. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for the Thank call. You.
We are heading off this time to, let me hit all the right buttons here. We're going to go to South Dakota. Richard, welcome to the program. Hello, it's Richard here. Okay. I, I just, uh, I wanted to look this up real quick. I wanted to check with Starlink. Um, Starlink has estimated that when they built out their system, they will have 42,000 satellites in the Starlink system. 42,000. That sounds like it'd be kind of hard to take out. I'm not sure how that might work, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Go ahead, Richard. Yes, I'm a Canadian caller. I've been listening to you for, I believe, as long as you were on the other um, relationship that you had. It took me a little bit to figure out where you were at after I got done with my cancer bout. I'm healthy now. Um, today you were talking about... Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm doing much better. Uh, I've been a long-distance truck driver my entire life. I'm about the same vintage as you. I'm 58. Okay. And a couple things. Very interesting in the industry. Everybody complains about the rates, but nobody's willing to do the hard work like you say. I own my own truck, my own trailer, and I run 48 states and 10 provinces. But I just retired out of the fire service as a fire inspector and an arson investigator after 26 years as a volunteer plus wow. full time. And I chose to come back to the industry because I enjoy it so much. It is interesting to be profitable in this day and age. Yes. Um, we were talking about texting at the at the pumps. I have an app on my phone from Flying J and what it allows me to do is I have a fuel card because I have my own company, my own insurance, my own truck, my own authority, and my own fuel accounts. The Axle fuel card is provided by Flying J, and I have an account there, and it links directly to your phone. So when you pull up to most, but not all, of the Flying J um, pilot truck stops, not all of them, but most of them, there's a, an umbrella around it that allows you to say that you're at the pumps, and it'll snap you a, a code. And I can either put it to my Flying J credit card, or I can put it onto my MasterCard credit card, and it's that simple. Oh, okay. come right to my phone. I don't have to talk to nobody. That's, it takes no time to put fuel in. I, I need to go do that again. The last time I tried was, I don't, remember, I don't think I tried it before my trip last year. I think it was, it's been almost two years since I looked through the different trucks. I, I would be loyal to whichever truck stop will allow me to buy with my credit card from the pump without going inside. I don't care who it is. If somebody can I, fix that. and if Blind Jay does that. Then... Yeah. then then I'll be a Flying J customer. Really well. Yeah. I, I was joking with my wife. I have a, 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 a briefcase with maps because I run 48 states and 10 provinces. I have a, uh, in, my, in my briefcase with maps, I have the Flying J original network of, I think, 120 truck stops from the mid-80s. Um, I, I quite enjoy the industry and the challenges that we get set with every day. I listen to you all the time. And I'm curious about fuel economy. I run... Uh, a four-axle tractor, meaning it has a pusher axle, a single set of wheels that go in front of the drives, and I run a 48-foot tri-axle hopper trailer, and I run that, around 96 to 100. Is that fourth axle steerable? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. it's a steerable, liftable push axle, yes. Okay. My trailer has a 10-foot spread on a 48-foot tri-axle hopper trailer, and I run consistently between 97 to 105,000 pounds. Okay. Uh, depending on which side of the line I'm on. My truck averages around six and a quarter 
80 in miles per gallon. And in the U.S. size of gallons and everything else, it's around 7.25. You've got to do the conversions with a different size of Canadian or imperial right. gallon to uh, Canadian gallon. Um, is it doing well? I, I put on 970,000 miles on this engine before I did an in-frame, and it's an ISX Cummins. That is doing really well. I think of 500 horse. You've got some challenges there. One, that, that you're heavy a lot. And when I say heavy, 80,000 pounds is not heavy. That's normal. Now, is there a difference between somebody that pulls 80,000 all the time and somebody that pulls 60,000 most? Yeah, of course. But to me, 80,000 is just normal. We don't do anything different. Uh, you're getting into the numbers where you run that kind of weight all the time. You're losing at least a mile per gallon just on the weight alone. So we'll factor that in. Then sure. I would factor in your kind of, you know, unusual axle configuration of a steerable um, axle really hits the fuel economy pretty hard. Um, if you put that axle down a lot, you know what kind of goofy tire wear you get on it, right? Oh, yeah. I go through ten to ten to $12,000 a year in tires. Yeah, because and those steerable often, axles are horrible for tire wear. That means that that axle is creating a lot of resistance. That's why we're wearing, we're scrubbing rubber yep. off of weird places. There's a lot of resistance created by that axle. Then you've got a big spread. So yeah, you've got is. some yep. challenges. You, you are yep. probably losing two miles per gallon over the average over the road truck. So you're probably looking at a nine mile per gallon truck. I think you've done a hell of a job with that thing. Well, you know, I ran empty from Bellingham, Washington to Spokane. And I normally run about 50, 59 mile an hour to 63 mile an hour. And I have three five fives in the back end. And when I'm empty, I, I wish I had to slow it down some. But when I'm at 100,000, the truck needs to turn about 14, you know, 1350 to 1400 RPM to pull the weight comfortably because it's heavy. Right. Um, but on my way over to Spokane, and, and this is unique, the, the wind is behind me and everything's favorable and I'm empty. One of my axles on my trailer is lifting. One of my, or my lift axle on my truck is up. And I got 12 and a half miles a gallon Canadian, which is 13 miles a gallon. That, that's that, what that's I mean. one off. The, the, this is a real, the, for whatever reason, I mean, the specs don't sound all that great. I mean, they're, it wouldn't have been the way I spec'd one. But something came together with this truck, and it's getting better fuel economy than what I would have guessed. That you would have guessed? Yeah. What can I, I do to change? You know, I'm pretty accurate. If somebody improve. brings me all the specs, gives me the operation, tells me how fast they drive, how much they idle, all that stuff, I'm pretty good at guessing fuel mileage and coming close. I would have been way off on this one. Oh, would you? Okay. Um, I have 225 rubber all the way around mostly because i run the mountains in the winter if i need to and i kind of i joke about it but i go where the money takes me yeah um i got a load of chicken feed the other day coming out of saskatchewan going to washington paid me eight bucks a mile um so i just go wherever the money takes me um my truck has 22.5 rubber all the way around 13 speed three five fives and set around 500 horse i'm the second owner of the truck i bought it at three hundred thousand miles and there's just over a million miles on it with a fresh rebuild in the last five months. Doesn't use a drop of oil. Um, I'm meticulous on the maintenance in the parking lot. The other day I set my clutch, greased my trailer, greased my truck, fixed the tail light. And Excellent. that's just who I am and what I do. Yeah. Yeah. 
what could I do with my gearing? Because I'm at a challenge point where I want to improve. How do I do that? (laughs) I I think you're going to maybe even laugh at my answer. This truck is getting, like I said, I would have been way off. I would have never expected to get this truck to get the kind of fuel mileage it gets. So before I could give you an answer to that, I'd have to try to solve the problem. I'd have to really dig into this truck, figure out why. I'd be afraid I'd mess something up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny, and I, I feel good about it. Um, I want to take my truck out to Pittsburgh. Power, well, let me tell you this. And I want them to put a tune yeah. in it. I, I, I would go, you could go try stuff like that. You know, it, it and a tune is a little pricey, but not like changing gears. I, I would do stuff like that. I would not change gears on this truck. I just wouldn't. It's too expensive. And I think in this case, I, I wouldn't be sure that we would create an improvement. Based on what I pull when I'm heavy and a lot of the ground that I cover out in Wyoming and Colorado, I need all the horsepower I got. And I don't want to go any faster because everything goes out the window if you want to do 80 mile an hour on every maintenance aspect, including fuel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to give up the bottom end on 100,000 if I'm in a wet yard somewhere to try and lift that kind of weight out of a farmer's yard. I'm going to be in trouble if I gear up. Yeah. I, I, I would not mess with down. the gears. I would play around with some other stuff on fuel economy. I wouldn't mess with the gears on this one. The warranty that I have when I did my in-frame was 12 months. If I go to Pittsburgh Power, will it affect my warranty if they put a tune in it? Yes and no. Here's why. Legally, anybody who issues that warranty, if there were a failure and you made a warranty claim and they tried to deny it because of that tune, they would have to prove the tune caused it. But remember... We're talking about courts. And the one thing we never want to do is go to court over something because we think we're right. It's never worth it. We want to avoid all of that because you're, this, if, if a case like this goes to court, it's being decided by a judge. How many judges do you think there are in the country that have enough information to decide a case like this? Oh, yeah. They, None. In None. Most cases, wouldn't have a clue. And, yeah. and it just goes to some random judge. Nobody says, oh, look, this judge is really good on truck. It just it depends on where you who files this lawsuit. It just goes to a random judge. I, there's no way I want to end up in court over stuff like this. So you have to know that when you modify a truck, somebody can deny the claim and then you'd have to go fight it. It's not legal. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the real world. Now, I've made up my mind when I, when I own trucks, I could care less about that warranty. I'm going to modify a truck however I want to modify it, and I'll just deal with it. I'm, I'm at the same point with this truck. It's a good truck at my age. Like my wife jokes, they'll bury me in it. I work when I want to, especially after cancer. I took the month of February off and went to the Dominican. I took the month of March off and... Uh, March and yeah, part of April I, to go visit my daughter so, in South Korea. So, so here's the way I look at this. There are people who have done so many things wrong in their business. If they had some sort of a mechanical failure and there was no warranty, they would be out of business. So for them, I guess, you know, I guess your best bet is to take the warranty. The problem is you're already struggling and you just added to your expenses not knowing if it's ever going to help you or not. You and I 
created a position yeah. where we could say, look, it would suck if this thing cratered and I had to put a new motor in it myself, but we can afford to. That means we can skip the warranty and lower our cost. And we almost always end up better off. That's right. That's right. Well, I really appreciate your time and, and I've listened to you for years and years and years. And I've modeled my business around a lot of you and your partners um, that I've listened to. Um, good. I, I don't do the Twitter thing, but it's good that you're getting your name back out there because I told a lot of my Canadian friends about your podcast and your tribe, and, and I subscribe to it. That's how I listen. And I love the fact that it's all cataloged, and I, I'm busy going back from when you started on the podcast to listen so. to everything because there's little gems of information along the way that are very helpful. Yeah, I'm not sure how far we go back on the app, but just so you know, I talk about it all the time. They canceled me on a Thursday. I took Friday off and I went live Saturday and Sunday and worked the whole weekend. We've been on the air ever since. I missed one day. And then I made up for it because I did two days on the weekend. It's interesting. uh, uh, One of my business partners that I pull tankers for, he asked me one day, why did you quit a job paid $110,000 a year? to go get back into a truck. I said, well, I trucked my whole life and I'm not defined by what I do, but I'm defined by how I do it. And I'm quite happy trucking, but I won't be taken advantage of. I know what I'm worth when I can license a truck for 48 states and 10 provinces and produce good year end numbers and work in the, in the areas that I want to work doing what I want to do. Yep. I agree. Thank you so much for all of your information. It's been immensely valuable. I know that there's a lot of people like me that have listened for 10 plus years to you and then never called in. This is the first time I will, but I, I hope to um, call in every once in a while, let you know how my business is going. I, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping in with us today. Final call of the day. We're wrapping it up right here at 11 o'clock. Boy, these three hours flew by today. Um, Mike in Ohio, welcome. Hey, Kevin. It's good to talk to you again. Great to have you here. What's on your mind um, today? I, well, I was going to share with you about the Flying J card, but also, you know, the other guy spelled it out pretty good. But uh, the uh, I went and saw Dr. Latanza here back in um, what was it, March and did another A1C test with her. You know, she did the whole blood work and all that. And my A1C went from 5.8 to 6.4, and I was like, what did I do wrong? I was sitting there, she said, well, did you change your diet? And I said, I I really hadn't changed my diet. I didn't think I had, but I did because, you know, you had started talking about kimchi and that, and so I started, you know, getting me some kimchi now and then eating kimchi, but the problem was is I didn't realize, I didn't take the time to, you know, pay attention to what I was actually doing with the kimchi. So I buy, buy a little jar of kimchi, and then eat the whole jar of kimchi, and probably do that two, three, sometimes four days, days a week, and then uh, do a kombucha too, and all that. So I was intaking all that, you know, sugar in my diet. And I didn't realize I was doing it. So yeah, sometimes that kind of stuff can sneak up again. on you. I I tend to use fermented foods as a condiment. So like, uh, you know, um, right. I just talked about all the cabbage I've got coming out of the garden. I can't possibly eat that much cabbage all at once. I'm growing that much to because I'll produce a big crock of kimchi that might last me till next season. 
Right. Uh, but I tend to use it, like I say, it, right. I'll have a nice fatty cut of meat, a rack of ribs, beef short ribs, nice fatty meat, and then a couple tablespoons of, you know, a fermented kimchi or sauerkraut. And that, that acid kind of cuts the fattiness and cleans your palate and it's a little fresh. Right. And but, but I don't eat large amounts. And I, I probably do eight to 10 ounces of kombucha a day and two to four tablespoons of a fermented vegetable. Right. Yeah. So that was, like I said, that was my issue. I, I didn't think about how much actual, you know, yeah. carbs I was taking in. Yeah. That kind of stuff can sneak I, up I on you. I try to pay attention with the kombucha. Yeah. But uh, the kimchi, I was just, and I don't have a refrigerator in my truck. So I was just like, well, I'll buy it, darn, eat it. No big deal. But it turned out to be a big deal. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I will say the, the kimchi's not all that dangerous. I mean, most kimchi is fairly low in carbs. The kombuchas, though, you have to be careful. Some of those are some. I've seen some kombuchas that are almost as much sugar as a soda. Some of them are horrible. Oh yeah, yeah. So you've really got to yeah, look for the brands that that, that are low. Mm-hmm. And then, yep. really, I, yeah, you're I, right about that. Most days, I would not just wouldn't recommend more than a bottle a day is fine. You know, twelve, ten to sixteen ounces right. maybe a day. I just wouldn't do more than that. Right. Well, and another issue I've got is I've still been having an issue with my stool going loose on me. And also, I've been trying to fight a case of eczema I've got. And she's, you know, got me doing a gut repair and all that. And I've been pretty diligent about it. And I've been doing it now for mm, probably nine months. But it just keeps coming back all the time. Well, then so then she's taking the wrong approach. That nine months is, is two, nine months is way too long on these two issues. These should have been cleared up a long time ago. She's right. she's missing something. Right. I'm just saying, like, what what kind of approach do you think I should take? Maybe I, do another. With it, without a nutri, with, without a NutriCue and me digging into your history, I can't tell. I, I'm assuming she's reasonably well-educated. She's trying. It's not working. It, it's probably something a little trickier here. It's obviously not obvious. So I would need a NutriQ in history and I'd have right. to do a whole workup. Uh, there's way too many things it could be. But right. when, when a practitioner is trying to solve something for nine months and they're not solving it, we might need a different approach. Well, I guess, you know, I guess mainly it's my approach <laughs> more than hers is put me on, you know, different things, but not... But here's one of the things the, I can say. Well, she put me on stuff the, for the eczema. Yeah, so these issues are tied together. The gut issues, the eczema, there's no doubt about that. The one thing that we know, right. the the most neutral food when it comes to our gut, that the food that does no damage to our gut whatsoever are animal products, excluding dairy. Do not add dairy to right. your diet when you've got skin issues, especially, or gut issues. I would skip dairy completely other right. than butter. I would eat butter or ghee, but no other dairy okay. during this time. And animal products are going to be your friend. All of our gut issues are created by plants. Okay. Yeah. I guess they need to cut out the cheese all together. Pretty much cut it out, but I, I would. Again, while you've got skin and, and gut cheese. issues, I would avoid all dairy except butter or ghee. Okay. All right. Well, that's. And <clears throat> I've heard you say that before, but it never really stuck with me. We'll put it that way. Yeah, that's a big one. 
We see that one a lot. I have seen people eliminate dairy and their skin issues disappear in two weeks. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. You've helped me quite a bit from the uh, gentleman who called you when you were still on Sirius back and you were still working the weekends back then. And I had uh, gone from, forget how I'm, I was, A1C is like 7.2 is the highest I ever went. But you started it and then I started doing that and I no longer have taken any medication for diabetes ever since then. Excellent. Now, the other I, thing to, to throw in uh, there, I do believe you've got some blood sugar issues with the diet. So you, you've identified that you're working on it. Don't forget that part of this is probably stress-related as well. Yeah. Stress raises your blood sugar yeah. every time. Yeah. There's no way around it. Uh, I don't think I have stress, but I guess I might be stressed. Just don't realize I'm being stressed. Do you wear the Garmin watch? Oh. No. Might want to consider I it. I can, I, I can tell you every I wear a watch. Every, and, see, here's the thing about stress. We are very bad at identifying it. Very bad. I, I, this is the right. hardest thing I deal with people. They will look at me and swear. They're so chill. They're so mellow. I don't stress about anything. I look at their NutriQ and call them a liar. You're a liar. You may not even realize it. You are horribly stressed. I can see it in all your readings. And they will stand there and say, no, not me. It's got to be something else. I'm not stressed. All right. Right. Well, my issue with wearing a watch is uh, I, I wear a watch and then she's usually tore up by about two weeks after I wear it. But I'm real hard on watches. Well, I can't imagine anybody being much harder on a watch than I am. And I, my Garmin is just, it takes a licking and keep on, keeps on ticking. This thing is built like uh, very well protected. Hmm? I can't imagine what you okay. could do well, all day that would damage this watch. Because I, I work on trucks, I work on cars, I work in the garden, I, I do all kinds of stuff. It never comes off. I shower with it, I work out with it, I... It just, it just never comes off because I get my readings all day long. I can't imagine how you could damage one of these. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I've just been hard on watches my whole life. <laughs> no, I, I get I really it. I never wore really a watch. Wear a watch I, I, have, I have never worn a watch until smartwatches came out. If it was just a way to tell time, I wouldn't wear a watch. I never have. But this one I wear all the time. And I've, right. I've worn a ton of different wearables. This one is durable. There's no doubt about it. So um, okay. you don't have to have one for stress, but boy, I learned more about stress because of this watch than any other thing. All the research, everything. It was the watch that finally brought it all together for me because we could measure it. All right, we're, uh, we actually went over time today. We're going to wrap this up. Great stuff. Thanks for all the calls. We'll do it again tomorrow for the Power Hour. Uh, let me see. Think Thursday. I've got David Owen from Nastic. I'm looking forward to that. Somewhere this week, I need to get with Jamie Hagen. We're going to squeeze in a new segment we're going to do called, oh, I don't know what we're going to call it yet. Trucking in the Twitter sphere. I don't know. Um, we're going to start doing a feature about Twitter. Uh, I'm really watching Twitter. There's a lot going on over there. I think it's a really big deal. I really do. It's not just a social media site. It's our fight for true free speech on the internet. And it's the only major platform we have a chance with. So I'm doing everything I can to support it, get more people over there, get some trucking activity going on and hope that this new CEO doesn't burn the place down. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. So 
I think that's all we've got going on this week. Uh, so lots of time for calls and, and answering your questions. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.